1: Good morning. Welcome along to Tip Today. 1800 938 007, our free phone number. And uh, Emma is looking after the phone. She'd be glad to hear from you. Coming up on this morning's programme, the pressure is on for Christmas gifting. And is Santa's naughty list a thing of the past? We'll go live to GF and we'll be speaking to a clan man there. Europe faces a cancer epidemic after an estimated one million cases was missed during COVID. We'll be speaking to uh, Dr. Mary Ryan on that. We will meet uh, Tipperary Carer of the Year. We're farming with uh, Katrina Morrissey. Why do we overeat or binge with our food? Now, there's a question we'll hear from Muriel Cuddy uh, just after 11. And we'll also hear from uh, some drama groups who are threading the boards over the next few weeks. So all of that and much, much more on the way. You can text and WhatsApp... 83 311 double three, double one. You can email tip today at tipfm.com. We'll play Match 3 uh, in association with the friends at Stakelums, um in the 11 o'clock hour. So if you want to register for that at any point, please do so. Just put uh, Match 3 along with your name and your details on your text and WhatsApp. Quick look at uh, the headlines. There's a difference of opinion uh, between the Irish Daily Mail and the Irish Indo on the gambling uh, legislation the Irish Daily Mail telling us that the de facto ban on gambling companies uh, shop fronts and advertisements near school playgrounds and sports facilities used by children was removed from the new legislation. However the Irish Independent is telling us that betting shops and other gambling outlets will be effectively banned from operating near uh, schools under sweeping changes to the gambling laws so you can make up your mind as to which version of that you believe to the Irish Times and indeed right across uh, the newspapers today. Coverage of uh, yesterday's um, meeting with the uh, Spiritans and uh, featuring the uh, Black Rock College past pupils Corey McMahon and uh, Louis Hoffman at that uh, news br- briefing with the Spiritans at the RDS in Dublin where they announced a restorative uh, justice process for victims and survivors of historical abuse at schools and institutions run by the Spiritan congregation, of course the former Holy Ghost Congregation, and that's covered all across the newspapers today. Um, Poor enough news if you tend to travel a lot in this country, but motorists are to be hit with the highest permitted toll charge rises up to 60 cents per journey across the country's motorway network within weeks following a decision to raise tolls in line with inflation. I think the bloody things are expensive enough as it is, but uh, there you are. On the Examiner today, again coverage of that uh, uh, meeting with the Spiritons yesterday at the RDS. Um, But distraught families whose babies' organs were sent abroad for incineration without their knowledge now face uh, indefinite delays to find out why that happened. And we're also hearing that uh, changing the Cervical Check Tribunal to reflect the wishes of the late Vicky Phelan and others... Uh, Would require a referendum, which the government has no appetite for. That's according to a senior. Uh, Minister there. So that's a quick look at what's making headlines today. If you want to uh, comment on any of that, oh eight three three double one double three double one. A few weeks ago, a meeting took place in Monroe to address the concern around the spate of assaults, intimidation and crime in the Rath Rhone and Lissrona area. Now the meeting was attended by members of the Gardaí and local politicians. We heard indeed from concerned residents who shared their experiences and concerns with us uh, following that meeting. Andrew Stokes, is chairperson of the Paris Towness Royal Community Alert, and he joins me now. Andrew, good morning to you. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm very well indeed. Thank you for, for joining us today. You had a meeting with uh, the Justice Minister. How did that go?
2: It, it was very, very good meeting. Um, and, a, yeah, many thanks to her and Garrett Fitzgerald for uh, facilitating it. Um, yeah, I had a meeting before uh, with a couple of us from the area back in 2016, which was very different. Uh, this one, the Minister really did listen to our concerns, um, took her own personal notes, answered all her questions. Um, yeah, no, it was a very, very constructive meeting. Uh, from that we're uh, there definitely uh, in the government and uh, Minister of Justice, she's aware of the situation in the area of the fear and hopelessness that has been around the area.
1: Um, yeah, but you'd, you'd imagine she should have been aware of this for, for a number of of years. And, you know, I've come across a lot of situations over the last, I don't know, however long I'm doing this, 10 years or so, Andrew, where the minister listened and, you know, where we heard all the right things being said, but still we have instances like was described at your meeting in Monroe.
2: Absolutely, and, and that's why we, we're, we're pushing on. Um, and the minister has uh, given... Uh, us to go ahead, hopefully, to form a group and we'll be applying through the uh, Community Safety Innovation Fund uh, to get our ideas up and running uh, and improve the situation here in Clamwell and surrounding area.
1: Gardy would be a large part of the answer to this. I mean, did she mention anything about that, about extra Gardie being made available?
2: Absolutely, and uh, it was very uh, evident by it's been the intent of application Templemore,
1: and sorry, we, we just lost you there for a moment, Andrew. Your phone is a little bit dodgy. Would you just say that to me again?
2: Sorry, um yeah. The the shockwave uh, that has gone up the government from the lack of applications uh, into Templemore this year, and um, they're definitely looking at that and trying to uh, fix it, uh, get more Gardaí out, um, yeah, and get more and more
1: schemes up and running. Right, but in the meantime, we have a, a dark winter ahead of us. I mean, is there anything to allay people's fears um, over the next few months for example?
2: Absolutely yeah, as far as I know there's um, a couple of operations now in play uh, out of Clamaldiard's station uh, for the whole area um, even a few people contacted me last weekend uh, there was a good few guardi up and down the streets uh, looking out for any drug dealing any social behaviour Um yeah, and there was a great, great feeling around town. Uh, it was great to hear.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I was reading the Irish Farmers' Journal uh, today, and uh, Jerry Purcell's uh, story is in that. And what a dreadful, dreadful incident that was, Andrew.
2: It really was, and um, it shouldn't have taken that uh, to happen for for us to kick into gear. But it it did happen, Um it can happen again, and that's the fear that's that's out there. Uh, that's what we've been talking about the whole time—the increase in violence in these uh, gangs going around.
1: Yeah, just, to, uh, in just to remind people, Jerry approached a pair of men who were—they were sort of hanging around, I suppose, on the road outside of his uh, uh, farm—and th- they attacked him essentially.
2: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. viciously, viciously unwarranted, um, and, and that's being mirrored all across the country. Uh, I was at an IFA meeting in Koshielan, uh Tuesday night, and. Uh, Barry Carey of the IFA Rural Crime Committee. He's every night of the week now. He's holding these meetings up and down the country, and the same stories are coming out. Uh, a lot of them are going unreported, um, due to fear, and intimidation, and lack of resources.
1: How will you measure the success of your meeting with the the minister? Um, will you will you keep keep a, a view on that over the next while?
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm very often just even talking to people around what they see and what they hear going on around the place. That would be a huge tell. Uh, The businesses in town, if you pop into any of the shops, they'll tell you what's been going on the last couple of years. Uh, In a couple of months' time or over Christmas, we want to hear that they are just busy, busy, busy with people in around town, uh, walking the countryside, uh, up in Seardkililno Monho, and all of them on their own. Um, just going to all our shops um that'll be fantastic to hear.
1: The justice minister is uh, Helen McEntee. she's going on maternity leave uh, very soon um is that of concern to you that I mean your meeting was specifically with her? She took her own personal notes, but she may not be around for the foreseeable future
2: i I really hope she will be um even Even what she has uh, achieved so far with the uh, course of control and other measures and what she has planned for changes in um, different aspects of the judiciary, uh, we really need her to stay in that position. Um, no, we were very impressed uh, with how she uh, listened to us and approached everything.
1: All right, Andrew. Well, we'll be following the story, uh, as they say, and thanks for talking to us today and good morning to you. That's Andrew Stokes there, Chairperson of the Paris Town, Liz Rona, Community Alert. Uh, met with uh, the Justice Minister and uh, spoke about anti-crime operations. How do you feel about that? Are you more confident now that... Uh, You'll be looked after in your homes in Rural Tipperary, 083-311-3311. And uh, we'll take a break back in a moment.
3: Tip
4: today with Fran
3: Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.
4: Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In
0: association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie
1: Now, Andrew Stokes has spoke to me there about um, his meeting with uh, the Justice Minister um said that um if you're interested in becoming a volunteer or indeed if you want to uh, find out more information uh, about uh, the fight against crime in local areas you might like to speak to Andrew and that number is 0894456204 that's 08944 56204. Oh and Emma will have that uh, number if you missed it there, but they're basically looking for people to uh, help them out on committees, etc. Mm-hmm. Now, Deirdre was speaking to us yesterday about the pressures facing parents this Christmas. She said uh, the lately late toy show has created a whole new pressure with kids now looking for uh, toy show pajamas and treat boxes and parents competing online with this and Elf on the Shelf and all of these kinds of things. Well, Christine joins us now. Christine, good morning to you.
5: Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm
1: very well indeed, Christina. Lovely to talk to you today. You're sort of going through this with your, your son at the moment, are you?
5: Yes, yes, yes. Um, he's mad into, like, the Thai show and stuff like that. So, um, I, like, I do, I am this person that loves all the matching pyjamas and matching tracks with my child. He's going to hate me in a few years when <laughs> he sees the pictures. <laughs> he's going to be burning them. But, um... Do you know what, like, we could be spending our money in a lot worse, like, and the Thai show pyjamas is, like, if you do buy them, they are being donated to, like, Temple Street or something. Mm. Uh, I know a percentage of it in pennies, anyway, go towards, like... The hospital, like, and I do like to contribute. Like, I, I'm not really mad into giving money to buskers outside shops and stuff like that anymore because of scams and what have you. But like, I do my best to donate to charity every Christmas, shoe boxes, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, like, yeah. So like, when I see these pajamas and stuff like that, like, I buy the pajamas for him and myself every year, my partner, and uh like, Jesus, they, my son now is kind of at the age where he's six now, and he's seven, so he's like, mum like, come on, but like, my partner hates it. He's like, no, do not put that in social media. Get it off. I'm not doing this.
1: Yeah, but it's it It's a great bit of crack and all of that. But it does, it, there's a lot of extra expense around Santa Claus, isn't there?
5: Well, there is, but you know what, friend? Like, I'm trying to teach my son like that, like... Do what do what makes you happy, like. And if you can't afford tie show pajamas, like get a pajamas that looks like the tie show one. Like you can buy yeah. cheap ones to have, like you know, a little bird or something on them or something like, or a new onesie. Bring them in, get them something small, and do you know what I mean, like because like it's it's the excitement of it. it doesn't have to be the actual tie show ones, like. But it's the excitement of it for kids, like. And I mean, like they're after going through such a rough couple of years with COVID and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And, yeah. and I have to say the tie show has done amazingly for charities around Ireland because yep. I know there two years ago, Jesus, they, the time of the lockdown when
1: they couldn't have it, um, they raised a couple of million, like. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's, it's it's very good indeed for, as you say, charities uh, around the country. I, I'm just thinking, do you threaten? Do you threaten, <laughs> do you threaten with, with the, you know, that you won't uh, allow certain things to happen if, if your little boy is naughty and stuff? Do you? Do you well, do I do, yeah.
6: Um, Like,
5: that was the behavioural thing he asked me about as well. But, like... um. Like, I'm not, like, I'm not afraid that I like, chastise my son, don't get me wrong, like, and I don't care if I'm in public or, like, or if I'm, like, now, he is going through an assessment for autism, autism as well, so, but, like, he has, like, um my son, like, like it'll probably hundreds of other kids out there can't stand the word no. If the word no is said to him, you can queue a meltdown after it, for sure. But, like, he's just, like, I'm actually, like, I'm not afraid that I like, chastise him. Like, if I'm in the middle of duns, I will treat him as if I'm at home. Right. I like I, I I really don't care where I am or what's going on. If my son is being bold, I will correct him there and then on the spot. Like and how you know I mean? how
1: does that work, Christine? I mean, do you speak firmly to him. Is that the way it works? <clears throat> uh, sorry, what you
5: say, friend? How
1: how does that work with him? I mean, when you're chastising him, as you say, do you oh, speak he, he, you speak he, he, he firmly speak to him? Like and it.
5: He doesn't like it, and he will be stubborn, and he will say no, and he'll be like, I want it, and that's it. And i would be like, no, you're not getting it. And, like, I've often had to, like, leave stuff at the till in Tesco and walk out and put him into the car and explain to him before meltdown happened, like, because once meltdown happens, they just, you lose all control there, like. But, like, um, uh, like he he does rebel against me. Now, I've, I can give him a look and be like, look, this is your warning. You behave like that again, and you're going to the car. And, like, this week now alone, he's barred off the PlayStation for a week because he's baby did nice, and I'm not giving in, I'm not, like, saying, oh, do you know what, you were good now today, you can go on it. Right. Like, once I give him a punishment, that is it. I am not going back on my words. Yes, and, and,
1: and you have to be like that, haven't you? What What did you say he did to warrant that, Christine?
5: Oh, the other night, I was, I had my nephew, I was babysitting my nephew, and the two of them were fighting, and, like, I could hear him being cheeky to my nephew, like, and, um, now, I, come here, boys will be boys and all the rest, them. I let him off, and because of what he's going through, as well, like, I I do, I am very lenient, like, I'm not, like, Mm. a wicked witch, but, like, um, once I say something, like, he will test the boundaries each and every single time, don't get me wrong, but, like, I, I used to, before, I used to, be like, look, you were good today now you can go back, but I've I've learned the lesson the hard way there, Fran, and I'm just like, you're not, no. Once Mammy says no, that is it, I'm not going back on my word. So you have to be consistent,
1: Christine, yeah.
5: Yeah. Now, before I wasn't, I was one of these parents that's like, oh, you're grounded for the week. And then two uh, about two hours later, he'd be wrecking my head up and like, right i just the wrong place. I was you know what I mean? have yeah, been down that road and I'm just like, it, it failed miserably for me because he was starting to be the parent in the house and he was telling me, I'm not doing this. I'm not going to bed. I'm And I turned around and was like, hold on a minute. You're five years of age. You're going to do what I tell you. And I just, I just, I don't know, something kicked to me that day and I was just like, look, if mommy says something, I'm not changing my mind. And I've had to hold tough and persevere with what I've had to go through. And has
1: like. that worked much better then?
5: Well, it ha- this week now I've seen a major, major improvement and, yeah. and like even last night like he was like, oh, like my partner was inside the PlayStation he's like, oh mammy, can I go on it? Mm. Um, uh, and I said, no. And he was just, I was expecting a meltdown. And I was in the afternoon, a 12-hour shift in work, had a hard day. And i it was one of these days where, like, you just don't want to say the word no because you don't want to deal with a meltdown. Yeah. But I was just like, no, I was like, you're not going on it. And he was actually okay with it. He was just like, oh, well, maybe Saturday so if I'm good. And I was like, maybe Saturday if you're good because you were bored last Saturday and I barred you off for the week and that's it.
1: Um, well, fair play to you. And really, it is. You know, I was never any good at that, I have to say, Christine. But,
5: I was worst for it up to yeah. about a year ago. I was so, so, so bad for it. I yeah. was like, anything for a few minutes, peace and quiet, especially after a long few days of work, yeah. or, you know, you feel sorry for them going through stuff like But. I've had to put my foot down and be like, No Absolutely. and like I, I do I do threaten him with like, Oh, the elves are listening now and I I will tell Santa San. like I use whatever excuse is available for me to use, like after Christmas I will be using the excuse just coming back and taking your toys right. because if you're not good he will take them I'm go- any excuse the Easter Bunny can take you Easter- <laughs> he's <a> Christmas present. <laughs>
4: <laughs> they're
1: all kept very busy have you had a situation in like a supermarket or a, a retail outlet where you know there might have been a meltdown and maybe people were watching have you have you had yes, that Christine? yeah
5: now because he's going through an assessment for autism like he um he like he had this after coming out COVID, like, you know, he was afraid of like he was afraid of crowds and oh, stuff was like he? that. He doesn't do well in like the crowds yeah. and stuff. And I was actually in um a shopping centre one day and <coughs> excuse me. He um he had a really bad meltdown because he got so overwhelmed and I felt so bad. I had to get up, get a few things in and stuff like that. Mm. And um I I should have gotten him out there sooner, but you look what appearance and perfect, coulda woulda shoulda kind of a thing. And um he ended up having a meltdown, and a few people passed, and they were looking like. And I had to sit down in the middle of in the middle of Tesco with him like. And a few people were looking at me. Now, one or two people did come over, and they were like, Are "You alright?" It's like, "Yeah, yeah, no, I'm fine." They didn't know if he was asking hard or do you know what was the story like? Yes. And I was like, "No, no, no, he's fine, just a bit obsessed, and they kind of went down like." But like, it's like. Without being bad, it's more so the older generation that kind of pass and just kind of giving you, a, you know, a look, as in like, oh,
1: a, your, your child being is being bold, there. yeah, your, your yeah. child
5: is bold, like
1: you know, yeah, you did exactly the right thing because I was reading about this late, uh, lately, and um, I, I, I'm not sure that that come naturally to you to do that, but you're supposed to go down to their level and have them at, at, yeah, uh, at eye play level. Yeah, he's a play
5: therapist. He was in play therapy and he was explaining all that to me. Um, I found play therapy fantastic for him. And he was just explaining to me that like, he's like, you get down there at his level. And then he stood up yeah. above me, this man yeah. that was in play therapy and he's like, can you imagine being so overwhelmed, being scared and me talking down to you like that and you don't know what's going on. And like, once, you, once you're once you down at that level, like, and it's just like, it is intimidating. So like, you kind of put yourself in their shoes and you get down to their level and it's like, this is how they see the world and you know. So like that, like
1: it's hard. So yeah, well, that's uh, very smart and fair, fair play to you. Um, you you uh, we're also making the point though. I mean, it is an exciting time for kids, and and this whole build up to it, including the the toy show and first it's all part of it, isn't it?
5: Yeah, it is. But you know what? It's like it, it used to when I was growing up, it was like, Christmas was from the 8th of December onwards, it was like, you never really heard of, like, Christmas in November, you'd never see people <laughs> with trees up in November, but you know what, yeah. if it makes them happy, like, I know. You, like, it doesn't make any bit of difference to my life, if my next door neighbour has six floors of a building with Christmas trees hanging off every story. Like, you know, I don't see why people come on and be like, oh, dear, it's November, they've got Christmas tree up. They're not paying their ESB bill, darling. Move on about your day.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mind your own business, I suppose.
5: Yeah, yeah I mean, like, people just love to, like, criticize and comment. And I mean, like, that family could have been after having the hardest year. Anything could have gone wrong. And they might just want a bit of happiness. They might just be like, you know what? second, it's November, I'm putting up my tree because I know that if I lived on my own, my mother won't let me. <laughs> my mother is strictly like the 8th of December, the tree going mm, up. Yeah, So mm. like, she's just old-fashioned like that but like um, you see my dad's birthday then it's on the 8th of December so it's just kind of like ah, a big thing in our house his right. birthday was like the day we put up the three years ago so um, yeah. but I'm slowly getting back to like putting it up for the Thai show I'm kind of pushing my way in there are
1: possible. you indeed yeah yeah. You, you, your mother will kill you for saying that uh, she's old-fashioned you know <laughs> she that serious. don't you <laughs> Christine you always sound like a fantastic mum really and uh, the very best to oh, you and fine. your family thank Christine
5: thank you so much I appreciate that thank it you. is indeed I tell you I was a young man but I tell you it's not easy but you know what like parenting doesn't you, you they don't hand you uh parents in book inside That's and furniture to have your, when you have your
1: baby oh look I had all sorts of things you know they weren't going to have ketchup and they weren't going to eat chips and we were going to eat <laughs> them proper food should that all went out the window, you know. Come it's... here,
5: Fran. If uh, I'd let him eat Play Doh some days in point for five minutes, I wouldn't realistically say anyone out there listening if it's just and there Anthony, on the live <laughs> <laughs> If uh, Come here, he can have chicken nuggets, he can have fish finger, whatever he wants some days. Like I always say, once he has his dinner, eh? like he can have whatever he likes after it. I'm just like, whatever you want, you go get. Because I'm not one of these parents that's like, oh no, darling. You've had two of them now. You're not getting any more. Now, I'm not yeah. judging the ones that are. That's I know, their, I know. their parents and styles. But I'm just like, if you give me a few minutes peace and quiet, darling, fill your booth.
1: <laughs> After your 12-hour shift, I can only imagine, Christine.
5: <laughs> yeah, I, I have come home to pizza boxes and into the bed, a Chinese waiting for me, and my partner is just like, it wasn't really an evening for cooking. I'm like, is there any evening for cooking?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Christine, always a delight to talk to you. Thanks very much indeed. Thank you. Thanks, good, friends, good morning to you, Dose. Bye-bye you now. That's Christine speaking to us today. Um, Edwina is with me now. Edwina, good morning to you.
7: Hi, Fran. How are you doing?
1: You have small children. Edwina, are you feeling sort of the Christmas pressure already?
7: Yeah, we are. Um, I think that kind of from, I think, really, once you get to to Halloween, really, I think that the pressure, well, I mean, the stuff is in the shop. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, like, a lot of people are under pressure money-wise and it's something that's hanging over people, you know, kind of like once we head in really into September, do you know, that all this stuff starts to come out and it's everywhere. And I think it's just, it's almost like this burden that, that's hanging over people. Do you know, some people, now, some people really, you know, they don't mm. think of it and look fair play to them. Um, you know, like they, they like to go off and, you know, spend silly money on things and, you know, but I, I just feel for a lot of people, And you can see it in their faces in the shops as well, like that they're under pressure, you know what I mean? Buying things, like Mm. even just their groceries, you know. And I think, you know, to be honest, like I think a lot of people would just actually prefer it wasn't, it was gone already, do you know, that kind of way. Yeah,
1: and always post-Christmas we end up with discussions about debt and credit card debt and, uh, you know, people borrowing money and all of that kind of thing. Maybe in some cases from unsavory sources and the like. Um, it, It can be a very difficult time, you know.
7: It is, and you know, friend. like, I just kind of say to myself, like, what's it all for? You know, mm. like, what's it all for? Going and getting yourself into debt. Like, I know, like, one family that's been, like, has borrowed a thousand euros to buy, you know, to buy their, their kids um, presents for Christmas. And I'm saying to myself, like, why? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, why do that? Why put yourself into that and kind see, of there's debt?
1: A, there's a lot of peer pressure, Edwina, you know, particularly with certain toys that are the flavour of the month and all of that, you know.
7: But isn't that in people's heads, friend? Yeah,
1: but you know the way kids can be at school. Oh, he we'll ostracise him because he doesn't have the same runners as us or something. Like, isn't that very real, or is it? Like, you it, know?
7: is it the lack of education? Yeah, maybe so. You know what I mean? And I mean, I just see like so, like you just every every single year, regardless of what you know the, the financial situation was. I mean, every single year you have people who are dreading Christmas, dreading having mm. to make the dinner, dreading having to buy presents that people don't want, <laughs> do you know, yeah. or, you know, that, 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 like, you know, we'll have to go to the money lender, or, you know, that if I don't buy this, you know, someone else is going to, you know, like, someone's going to look down their nose for it or whatever. Mm. You know, I just like it, it's all. To be honest, I think it's all in people's heads, and it's kind of all like where everyone is trying to live with the with the Joneses. Do you know that kind of way? But it's all imaginary. Do you what know that kind what of, about the
1: kind the, of, the kind of expansion of Christmas? I mean, it seems to start then in a lot of ways with the toy show, and now there's a kind of a culture around that where you have to have the toy show pajamas, and you have to have certain gifts on that night as well. What about that?
7: Look, friend, where there's money to be made there's always going to be someone who's going to make it. Yeah. You know that kind of way, Do you know, and I think like... It, people it's People
1: creating a market, is that it?
7: People will create the market, yeah, because someone will buy it. Someone will go out and buy the, the, the Christmas, the Thai the show pyjamas, and they'll go out and buy the boxes, the sweets you can get. You know, there's treat boxes yes. you now you can get yeah. for the Thai yeah. show. And, you know, like they'll go and buy them. Whereas if people didn't bother their backside buying the stuff and say, oh, look, you know, she look." To be fair, where where were we? Got Do you know that kind of mm. way. I mean, like there was none of that. We still, as children, we still enjoyed the toy show, and we didn't have the toy show pajamas or the treat box. Do you know. What? Yeah, <laughs> Do
1: you know but what as me? you say, some guy was watching that, or some woman watching that, and saying, "Here's the way we could make money out of that," so yeah. they can commercialize even even the yeah. toy show now. And
7: yeah, so. yeah. Do you know, and I mean, like if nobody bought the stuff then, you know, that kind of way. And the thing is, is that, like, by buying that stuff, like, that's grand if you can afford to buy it. Mm. That's You know, that's fine. But, like, there's absolutely no thought put into people who can't afford to buy stuff. Do you know what I mean? Do you know, like, they'll have, there'll be the Snapchat pictures, and there'll be Facebook, and it'll be all over social media on Christmas morning about everything that Santy was after getting. And, they're oh, they're after spending this much money on, on, on whatever, mm. PlayStation, Ty- iPhone, whatever it is, you know, and it's just, it's all bragging rights, and nobody thinks about the people who don't even have a Christmas dinner this year. You know what I mean? Like, I was listening to um the St. Vincent de Paul they done, they were in, it was the Oireachtas yesterday, yes, yeah. Um and, like, they were saying that they were up, like, um no, she was actually on Virgin Media TV, mm. and... Mm. She was saying, you know, that their calls to St. Vincent de Paul are up 20% on last year. And, you know, like that children, like a lot of people are really worried about food poverty, that children are going to be home for the week, for the holidays, and that they won't be getting their breakfast, you know, in school or their meals in school. And, like, food poverty is a real thing. And it broke my heart to think that there's children going hungry or adults going hungry. And then you have, the likes of that, like who are saying that they're going off and they're buying the the, the tie show pyjamas or they're buying the treat boxes or they're buying the latest iPhone, which is about 700 euros or you're getting a bike, a bike and an e-scooter or you're getting a bike and a PlayStation or, you know, you know what I mean? It's just like, I don't know, people, I don't know, they just, I don't know, they, I think that people get kind of caught up in themselves and they don't realise what is going on next door? Do you right, know that but, kind of a
1: way? And is it out of hand at the moment? Is it completely out of hand? Do you think?
7: is it completely out of hand. Look, look, friend. People are going to spend the money if they have the money. They're going to spend. Mm. That's that's the way it is. Do you but, know what I mean? But like, the
1: trouble is spending the money if you don't have it, and if you're depending on dodgy credit uh, to spend, um, that's that's a problem yeah. because you know the day of reckoning yeah. uh, will come. I suppose, Edwina
7: yeah. And, you know, I think as well, Fran, like that every single year people are, so you know, the, the warnings come out not to do this, not mm, to put yourself yeah. into debt. All the, the, the money advice agencies or whatever will come out and say, don't do this. And yet the peer pressure is there. And I think it comes from people who have money. You know what I mean? I'd love to see this year in particular, a le- an open letter going out in the media from Santa, who is going to explain that, you know, Santa's uh, you know, energy costs have gone up. And you know the fuel costs of getting you know from all around the world, and that the millions of ties going to cost a bit more. So you know, obviously, people aren't going to get everything that's on their list. You know, and I think it's really—I think what, it a great, would be a what a
1: great what a great idea—and curb expectations somewhat.
7: Yeah, yeah and it's, I think do you know, Brian? I think do you know, a lot of it is a reminder for the parents. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you know, like it just—you know—like that. It's they don't have to do this. You know what I mean? It's that it's all mental pressure that's put on themselves that they have to provide, and you have to provide X, Y, and Z. And if you don't, you're somewhat of a lesser parent. You know what I mean? Like a child is going to be, a child will be happy with whatever they have, in general. You, you see, know what I, I, mean? it, I think not,
1: you, you're a good deal, a good deal younger than me, Edwina. But I think my generation of parents, you see, I think our problem was that we tried to give them everything we didn't have.
7: Yeah, do, do you know that, what I mean? To the yeah. point of
1: it getting out of hand.
7: Yeah, and I think you know that's to do with our own sense of our own sense of 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 guilt. Yes, you know what I mean. Our, our own lack. Yes. That in some way that we're we're trying to to provide for the child that we wear. Yeah. Do you yeah. know? You know that kind of way. Yeah. Um, and I've said like that's something that really people need to look in because that that affects. That doesn't just happen at Christmas. You know what I mean. You know, that, like we're the That's whole true. time trying to compensate That's for true. something that, you know.
1: Just to look, make make things easier for them, I suppose, is what we're attempting to do. But I wonder in the end if we're actually doing them harm instead of good, you know.
7: Well, look, friend. you know, like you look at, you know, the mental health of children nowadays and you're saying to yourself, like, really, you know, is money the answer? Is giving them things, material things, the answer? And it's not.
1: All right, Edwina, it's always good to talk to you. And thank you so much for your time this morning, Edwina. And we wish you well. Thank it. you. Thank you. Bye-bye you me. now. That's Edwina talking to us today. What do you make of that? 1800 we We're hearing that there's a public information uh, afternoon today for senior citizens in the Balangari Community Centre. It starts about two o'clock. And you can find out about supports and services and grants and savings that you're entitled to. Now, if you can't attend, do send a family member or a friend on your behalf is the message. And uh, there's a refreshment on the day as well. And this comes in from our friend, uh, Councillor Melda Goldsborough. So it sounds like a great idea and uh, a great source of information there today at two o'clock at the Ballingarry Community Centre. Friend, you know the Russian ambassador is before the Department of uh, Foreign Affairs uh, today, and uh, hope they get rid of him. It says here, and that's about the sanctions imposed on. Uh, is it fifty-two of our politicians, and uh, seemingly there's great concern and anxiety among our politicians now that uh, they mightn't be on, th- <laughs> they mightn't be on that list. Um, but uh, there you go. It it appears that they won't. Banish him from the country because, seemingly, according to Simon Coven, they, they want to um, hold on to diplomatic um, ties with uh, Russia for the moment. Anyway, so it looks like um, it'll be slapping the wrist stuff, But um, no, I I don't think they they will be banishing him uh, back home today. Eighteen hundred nine three eight double zero seven
4: If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007.
1: Listener says fair play to Edwina. It uh, makes so much sense. The bragging on social media would make you sick. Hence, I left it all. I love Christmas uh, for the time off and to spend time as a family with board games and watching TV, etc. My My kids do get lots of presents, but within reason. And I will not, I will, sorry, I will definitely be cutting presents in general a bit this year. Yeah, I, I love that idea of Santa Claus coming out and saying, look... You know, just sort of curb expectations, maybe a little bit this year because of cost of living and stuff. Maybe it it might be a good lesson for kids, or is it over the top? How do you feel about that? Uh, Quite a few of our listeners on to us as well, uh, saying what a lovely lady Christine is and uh, how lovely it is to listen to her on the radio this morning. Uh, Maybe if all countries banned our politicians, we'd save a fortune, Fran, especially around St. Patrick's Day, is one of our listeners. Now, Anne-Marie joins me. Anne-Marie, good morning to you.
8: Hi Fran, how are you? <clears throat> I'm
1: I'm laughing already at this. You, you you're warning parents, Anne Marie, not to test out their children's toys this Christmas. I have a feeling there's a story behind that, Anne Marie.
8: Oh, big time. Um I made that mistake myself more did than you? once. What? I should have learned the first time. <laughs>
1: what what did you try out that went so horribly wrong?
8: Well, a couple of years back, um not too far back, but we got a flicker scooter for one of the grandkids.
1: What's a flicker scooter um, now?
8: It's got the handlebars, it's got brakes, and it's got two foot pedals in a V-shape, and you swing them in and out, and it builds up speed as you go
1: along. Oh, I
8: know the one, yes. And I thought, look, they were a bit nervous, I said, I'll show you how to do this. <laughs> so I got up on the Flickr, I was, you know, a couple of years ago, like I said, and outside my house, it's not a hill, it's on uh, kind of a slope, yeah. slight slope. I went down the road on it anyway, but it quickly built up speed I didn't expect. <laughs> And I got to the end of the road, and I thought, <clears throat> "I'll turn left. I'll be grand. I'll go up onto the grass verge. I'll, I'll slow down." But as I turned left at the end of my road outside the house, lo and behold, didn't the flicker fly up into the air, and I landed down on my elbow. I oh, was in pain. Oh, in I'm agony. so sorry.
1: That's. Um, now, this
8: is me. I was in my late 40s. I'm 51 at the minute.
1: <laughs> I'm so sorry for laughing, Anne Marie. But I mean, I know, did you did you break a, a bone or?
8: I actually ended up with a fractured elbow.
1: Did you? Oh, God. It uh, was only
8: a slight fracture. You wouldn't, it wasn't too bad. But that wasn't the worst part. The following summer, now this was in the wintertime, but the following summer that year, one of the kids got, um, you might remember these years ago now, they came back out a couple of years back, Um, pogo sticks.
1: Oh, I do. I do. I remember them well.
8: Yeah. I like to get the kids things that they'll have, so they're outside, not always inside, on games and concerts. Yeah, yeah. So we got a pogo stick, but the spring in it, being new, was very stiff, so I... <laughs> Of course, we were out in the garden towards the summer and I was like, I'll loosen the spring up, but we'll have a go. (laughs) And trying to build up their confidence to go on it, I was up and down in the garden. And, of course, the bogus stick clipped a little pebble and I leaned, I could see myself, my garden wall is pebble dash and all I could see was my head hopping off it. So I put my hand out to stop myself. Now, no safety gear would have saved me from what happened, but it was either my hand or my head. So I put my hand out to stop my head hitting the wall. And I ended up with a uh, fractured thumb because oh, my, my thumb went backwards. Oh, but I would I would definitely warn parents, do not try their kids' dive. Because when I was above an A&E that night, having my finger x-rayed, the doctor asked what happened and I was telling them yes. And he was a foreign doctor, a very nice doctor. And he said, what's a stick? And the nurses were in the stitches laughing. And they had to actually Google a stick to show the doctor what it was. And I have never gone on any other ties since Very I Very good. Used. So, so
1: that is the lesson for parents out there. Do not. Yeah, there should be a
8: warning sign on all kids' ties, not for parents' use.
1: <laughs> oh, my God, indeed. What about you, Anne Marie? Because you, you would have gone through Santa maybe twice around, if you don't mind my saying so, because you're looking after yeah. your grandkids now. How different is it at this point, Anne Marie?
8: Well, I suppose for the. For, well, this December now, and 4th of December coming up, will be my daughter's 8th anniversary.
1: Is and it I eight years?
6: Then,
8: God, I can't Yeah, it'll it. be eight years December the 4th.
1: Yeah.
8: And I suppose the first couple of years in particular, of course, I went into overdrive. I, they got spoiled. They got too much. I suppose I was trying to compensate in a way. Yes. And I, I would assume anyone in my position would have done the same, but... That kind of came back and bit me because the more they get this year, the more they want next year.
1: Of course, of course. That's Just to of, remind people, your your poor daughter she passed away eight years ago, and you yeah. you've, you've taken on looking after uh, the kids. That so you you kind of spoiled them for a while, Anne-Marie, and Marie. Yeah,
8: they kind of we overcompensated, and I I kind of overdone things. But at some stage, you know, you kind of have to pull back, especially with the times are in. Yeah, and the fact that the kids are that bit older now. The eldest is coming sixteen now, actually in a week or so, twenty eight. Um, and she's very conscious of things financially anyway. She's very good that way. Then we have the brother. He's 13 and with autism. He has very little concept. If he wants something, he expects it. But, you know, you have to explain to them there's a lot of understanding with the kids at this day and age. They're a lot more educated. Mm. But some of them don't have the concept of costs and financial difficulties and you don't want to put the difficulties on them either.
1: Of course, and that's, that's a large... Would you mind if I asked you, did you overextend yourself over the years, Anne-Marie?
8: In a big way, yes. I have done in the past. Did you? Yeah. Yes, I have in the past years, like even before my daughter passed now, haven't done it recent years. But I would have gone to get loans and I would have over... I'd be only finishing paying a loan and Christmas would be hitting me again. Wow. Well. I have done that in the past, but not in the last couple of years now. I've kind of stepped up a bit, put the foot down give them a certain allowance that's what their limit is we set a limit we give them we get them to make lists and the list could have 50 things on it and then we break it down and we break it down and we get we break it down as far as we can yes and we get that within the limit they're allowed now especially the eldest one because she understands better and even she's conscious you know and um, of course, but having her birthday just weeks before Christmas is another difficult. Of
1: course, it is. Yeah, yeah.
8: And then we have the anniversary coming up, and we always do a family thing for that, which is just private for ourselves. Yes. But um, between the, the 28th and November for a big birthday, and it's her 16th now this year, and she's not expecting any great things. Mm. You wouldn't believe what she wants, Fran. She's a very comical, quirky young girl, mm. and she wants a bouncy castle for bouncy-
6: sure.
8: You can't hire a bouncy castle in the middle of the winter. Right. So <laughs> what we've done was we've booked a room out in the convent hall and Feathers. Right. And the bouncy castle is inside in the hall. <laughs> so she's having a bouncy castle. For and that's what,
1: that's what she wants.
8: That's all she wants. That's yeah, in isn't pair that trainers. fantastic? That and a new pair of trainers and a phone. Um, it's a bank thing for the phone. That's a super quick charger. Yeah. So we've been looking on Amazon for a reasonable priced one. And that's basically
1: all she wanted. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And her
8: her friend had her birthday a couple of weeks ago. She was 16. So they're kind of having a double giant birthday party.
1: Right. But it just so, goes to show you, you can have these things in some sort of a, a simple yeah. sort of a way, but that it's, it's a bit of fun as well.
8: Yeah, yeah. And she's a quirky young girl. She, she doesn't want much. Yeah. You know, trying to get her to decide on things is the biggest problem. She'll pick two or three things and she'll take two or three weeks coming and hawing. She's three weeks now. And only decided yesterday that she'll leave the phone for Christmas, and she'll have the trailers for her birthday, and she'll have the phone charger.
1: I, 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 she sounds like a gorgeous young lady. That's uh, for sure. Is, is it possible? Do, do you enjoy Christmas, Anne Marie? Is it? A-
8: I did up until a number of years ago. Obviously, with my daughter's anniversary, that just impacted just on me. Yeah, I find it. It's a very difficult month. Mm. Plus, I've my birthday on the fifteenth, and my brother who passed away a year and a half ago my youngest brother, mm. he, he shared my birthday. So I find it very hard. Yeah.
1: And a lot of memories. Lost, and
8: Yeah, I would have lost a little boy a number of years back in England. He would have been only a year old and his anniversary would be the 2nd of December. So that kind of threw me for a number of years and then with Amy passing, it impacted on it. But I've had to pull myself back up over the years and I do it for the kids. They have their tree and they'll have their life and the youngest now, the youngest girl, she's only 10, she'll decorate her bedroom completely. Her bedroom door at the moment is full of little decorations that would buy in deals and such, you know, discount places and whatnot. And she'll even buy little things in those discount shops. She'll dress the cat and the dog. Do you know, she went to the market in Feathered a few weeks ago and got little booties for the cat and all. God. For a euro, you know what I mean? Little things.
1: It sounds lovely. It sounds you know, absolutely... And, and
8: that's all they want, you know.
1: Yeah. God, you've had such a tough journey, Anne-Marie. You know that.
8: Asher, sure look, you have to get up and go. At the end of the day, they still need to be yeah. seeing all the... Do they, do the they keep you going
1: side. in some way, Anne-Marie?
8: Oh, they do indeed. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. They do indeed. It's hard going most days, but sure, look, I get up and I go and I mm. do my gym a couple of days a week and that's the only thing I do for myself.
1: Mm. How's the health, though? It's all taken a bit of a toll on your health, though, hasn't it?
8: Asher, look, we got COVID in September again, second oh, or third time around. It mm. First time I got it. Three or four weeks after that, I got the flu. Mm-hmm. And But other than that, I mean, the heart health has been fine. I haven't had a problem in nearly four Excellent. or five years.
1: Excellent.
8: Yeah. yeah, And I do my gym and I go swimming and get up and go and walk everywhere and do my best to keep going. And I kind of have Christmas more or less started out. Um, yeah. This week now, I should be finished because I kind of pre-planned it ahead and started paying off on stuff and Buying my little savings stamps at the supermarket for my little card for my shopping and whatnot, and just trying to be a step ahead.
1: No. Well, you do a great job Anne-Marie and it's always lovely to check in with you and take good care of yourself, won't you?
8: No bother, friend, And All I right. definitely won't be trying to inlight like in this. The little one is getting this year. I have no balance for them. I was, I was
1: going to say, stay off the bouncy castle. Anyway, whatever. What oh, I won't
8: be going near it either. I'd be, be just monitoring the situation.
1: All right. Great to talk to you. Thanks very much no indeed, Anne-Marie. Friend. Thank you. Yeah. Bye-bye to you. News and information is coming up. I'm uh, Paul and uh, welcome back to the second hour of uh, Tip Today. Listen around to say that lady and that's making reference to Anne-Marie is an inspiration to all of us and I wish her the very best. For the future, and all of us are saying, isn't she a great lady to take on her grandchildren at this stage of her life? A fair play to her, and I'm sure her daughter would be very proud, and so say all of us. Uh, a bit of housekeeping for you, I just want to mention this, because it's an excellent platform for songwriters and for artists. Uh, Whistle This is happening on uh, tomorrow night, this Friday night, November 18th, at the Monk's Pub. In Thurlis and it features the band Bright Falls. It uh, features Mill Road, M.J. The Saint, and the poet Larry O'Sullivan will be there, and all under the auspices of my great friend, uh, songwriter and guitarist uh, Tom Lyons. And so it should be a fantastic night. Night. It's the Monk's Pub in Thurlis tomorrow night. Whistle this, and uh, as I say, a great platform for artists in general. Now you might remember. We spoke to clan mailman Andrew Last a few months ago. He had driven at that point to Ukraine with essential supplies and he joined me in studio afterwards to uh, talk to me as well. Well, he is in Kiev in Ukraine as we speak and uh, we get a chance to chat to him now. Andrew, good morning to you.
9: Good morning to you, Fran. Can you hear me
1: okay? I can hear you fine, Andrew. Thank you. There may be a bit of a delay on the line, but it's great to hear your voice. Um, tell me how things are there at the moment, because we're hearing about uh, missile strikes uh, right around uh, Ukraine at the moment. Yeah, um, well, right now I'm
9: sitting in my van. I'm sitting, uh, sipping on a cup of coffee at the moment. It's minus two degrees here. Uh, Aerial lands are quite frequent here. Obviously, the news has been reporting, especially there over the last few days, um, the missile strikes there in Lviv. I actually, uh, as I was entering uh, Ukraine, I came upon the missile strike in Lviv. Um, I didn't witness the actual uh, rocket strike itself. Uh, but I had seen the aftermath of it, I kind of documented, taking a few photos, and uh, I was able to record a live video of it. Um, it was quite significant. Obviously, it was on uh, an energy plant um, in the southern region of Lviv, and obviously, simultaneously there there was uh, there was multiple strikes uh, around the whole country of Ukraine. So obviously, look, you can say that it's a situation currently in Lviv at the moment. You know, life goes on, people are working, traffic is moving. Uh, There is a curfew in place. Um, Curfew is from 11 o'clock at night until about 5 o'clock in the morning. So, um, you know, all residents and all. all people within the country, unless you have permission to to move outside of those hours with official documents you you must be at home.
1: There, There is great concern, of course, as you say, it's very cold there even at the moment, but as we get more into uh, winter there may be a lack of uh, heat for people. I mean, how cold will it get there, Andrew? Uh,
9: well, as I said, it's very cold.
1: Okay, we seem to have
9: a lot... colder in, in other spots of the of the country, but potentially, Fran, this could get to minus thirty degrees uh, plus in in some areas of uh, of Ukraine.
1: Wow! So heating is obviously a great concern
9: to people out there. Yeah, I mean absolutely. I mean, unfortunately, what is happening now is you can see that the attacks are. They're Precise and precision attacks on critical Ukrainian infrastructure, um, things like heat, water, energy, food stores. Um, you know, this this is uh, calculated and a methodical strategy from the uh, from the Rus- Russian Federation.
1: Yeah, because of course the hope there is that you will wear down the will of people, and that brings me to my next question, Andrew. Is by comparison to when you went out there first, how are people feeling about the war at this point?
9: The Ukrainian spirit is indomitable, um, Fran. That's what I or what I can tell you. Um, you know, you've you've heard um, obviously maybe things from President Zelensky. Um, you know, I think I, I saw a news report there the other day. A journalist asked him, "What's next?" He said, "Not Moscow. We are not interested in other people's territories. We are only interested in the deoccupation of our territory." Um, as I said on previous interviews with Dufran, that these people are fighting for their homes, for their lands and for their families, and uh, they just they just want their homes and their lives restored.
1: There was great fear following the news of that missile explosion that killed two people in a Polish village just near the Ukrainian border, Andrew. And, you know, the great concern, of course, is a huge escalation of this because Poland is a a, a NATO uh, country. Now, as it turned out, um, seemingly it's highly probable it was fired by Ukrainian anti-aircraft defence. But we're hearing from uh, Ukrainian President Zelensky that he doesn't believe that. What What is the talk among ordinary people there about that incident?
9: To be honest, again, I, I try to always um, listen where I can from different things, you know, Media is great, it gives us information, the technologies that we use nowadays, we, we have free access to information. problem always with information is you're going to have good, bad and indifferent information. And we need to have, obviously, um, proper due diligence and proper investigations into such serious incidents like that um, to, to ensure that no uh, rash uh, actions are taken as a result of it. Look, I'm not uh, militarily trained. Uh, I am quite uh, an intelligent guy, and I have, uh, you know, very good critical thinking factors. I'm looking at at the map. So look at that general location there, as to where that rocket actually landed. Uh, What was a a Russian missile doing, um, pointing towards Poland? It's getting very, very close to the Polish border. Uh, The target that was actually hit was a with grain uh, grain storage and um, you know Poland has been very very um, active in providing um, you know some super assistance to the Ukrainian people uh, assisting them obviously with uh, aid and, and weaponry and uh, and also to uh, to help them with the, with the problem with food stores and unfortunately things like energy food and uh, basic things like heating they've been weaponized now against people. So, look, my personal opinion, as I said, is uh, I I try not to judge too quickly. Uh, If it was uh, from a missile defence system, um, that means that the missile would have had to chase a Russian rocket. Um, So what was it doing pointing in the direction of Poland? That's my question. So, again, I I don't have a definitive answer for you, Fran, but my uh, suspicion is that, it was either a direct
1: hit or it was a, a stray missile from the Russian Federation. The it, it does go to show you though Andrew that you know a miscalculation or a deliberate or whatever but we are very close to a huge escalation of this. I mean the concern the other night was was incredible, you know. Yeah.
9: I mean, it was. I mean, like I was, I was having my my, my phone was blowing up uh, when I was recording the um, the Levit video there on the energy plant. And um, you could clearly see there were four uh, individual plumes of smoke that merged into one gigantic plume of smoke. And this was stretching, you know, hundreds of kilometres. This this dark cloud uh, of of. Basically, burning fuel is what it was. From uh, I had friends and families get out now, and you know everybody was very, very reactive to to the news. Again, I had no fear for my safety, and um, this is not my 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 first time in Ukraine. It's not my first time in seeing such things. As I said, I was nowhere near the actual rocket strikes themselves. Um, but look, it, it is a concern for people. I appreciate people back home, but I, I think also that. Um, media and social media has a role to play in how reactive society has come to, you know, to to news stories. And look, I'm here on the ground. I'm in Kyiv. I'm not in a frontline location. Kyiv is not frontline. Lviv is not frontline. There are no soldiers on the ground here, you know, in combat Mm. with Mm. each other. Um, There are missile strikes coming from you know, from miles away, whether it's from Belarusian territory, Black Sea, um, you know, from a Russian fleet, or if it's coming from uh, from Russia itself.
1: The last time you and I spoke, we spoke about your father-in-law. Um, is he safe now?
9: Yes, he is, Fran. He's uh, he's safe. He's in Ireland. Um, he's, uh, his health has been up and down, uh, but he is definitely on the the right road. And obviously, there are. No such fears of, of missile strikes in in Ireland, thank goodness. And um, yeah, look, he's safe. He's with his daughter. And you know, there's 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 no more really that anyone could really say about that. He he's not going to go back to Lugansk again. I can I can assure you that I will fight on my back to make sure that doesn't happen. But uh, most people who have to escape from frontline areas or occupied territory, they're in general uh, in in. Um, in greater fear for their lives. Um, in the initial stages of the war, you, or the invasion, you would have had a, um, a large majority of people coming from Kyiv, and that's because the, the Russian army was outside the city of Kyiv, mm. trying to breach the city. Obviously, her son was was captured as well. That's a major Ukrainian city, and thankfully now the the city and the region of her son has been. Uh, has been retaken by the Ukrainian armed forces, which is um, obviously a tremendous victory for the Ukrainians. Uh, What I can say really about the Kherson um, region is that the Ukrainians are not resting on their laurels, but they have to be methodical in how they approach. They're fully aware that there could be traps laid. Mm. They obviously have to investigate such things like mass graves and uh, and war crimes and war crimes. Ukrainians are doing the best that they can and they're doing everything as, as they should.
1: Right, but they're probably digging in for what will be a very cold and difficult winter, I suppose.
9: Uh, without a doubt. I mean, Ukrainian winter has always been hard. and um, You know, even in normal circumstances, uh, I do remember back in 2015, I was married in Kiev and I remember going to sleep one night but before I did look out the window, it started snowing. We think a, a little snap there in Ireland and, and we might get uh, five centimetres in the morning. There's no school, no work and things like that. So when I woke up the, the following morning, there was uh, about two metres of snow. So it was covering cars and uh, what you see is... Uh, all shops will be open, you know. Cars will move very, very slowly. Shopkeepers will uh, shovel the snow away from their drive, same with uh, homeowners and apartment owners. So life goes on, you know. Even though, um, yes, the winter will be hard, it's going to be even more so uh, difficult for Ukrainian people because of the disruptions in power and the disruptions in heating. And even phone signals on is quite uh, it's quite fragile here sometimes, and and this is in Kyiv, This is in in a city. You must imagine then what it's like actually in frontline locations such as uh, Bakhmut right now, um, Donetsk, Lugansk, Melitopol, um, uh, Zaporizhia. These are places now that uh, you know are are in conflict. That uh, the Ukrainians are trying to retake back their territory.
1: What exactly are you doing there
9: at the moment, Andrew? Yes. Yeah, so right now, Fan, I am. Um, then uh, yesterday, I um, completed one of my missions there, which was to meet uh, a lady called Marina and her family, and to be able to drop aid um, to them. So effectively, what I did was uh, I was again back home great um, support that I've had from local businesses and, and just community members who were absolutely fantastic. I filled up my van with as, as much stuff as I possibly could a bit of a variety of everything and uh, thankfully I was able to make my way then to to Kiev two nights ago um, I was a bit late in, in getting in there, it was about one o'clock in the morning but um, the following day then yesterday I was able to, uh, to meet with Marina, her family and I hope to meet with them again today what she and her family do is basically they're volunteers. And they are amazing people. What they have been doing since the start of the conflict is delivering aid packages to people uh, in these liberated uh, villages and towns further east or southeast of uh, of their location in Kiev. And, uh, yeah, effectively what would happen when they do that is they would discover, obviously, some of the atrocities that have happened. In certain uh, situations, they would have discovered uh, people, many people, in basements. And unfortunately, the real victims of war here are children who, unfortunately, have been orphaned um, by the the, the uh, atrocities that have been committed by the Russian Federation. What they would have done is they would have taken those kids back to a safe location, i.e. their home, and they would have given them care for, for as long as they possibly could. They've notified the Ukrainian health authorities and they pass those children on then to the necessary health children or health authorities I should say to, to take care of those children. Uh they won't have documents. Some of those mm-hmm. kids they mightn't even, you know, be able to speak, so they can't even identify them. So it's it's quite um uh, you know, it's quite a devastating um Obviously, for a family to, to have to experience, but what I can say about Marina and, and her family, they are absolutely amazing people, and um, for what they are doing, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so happy that I was able to provide them with a little bit of aid. I received um, I received support um, from a number of businesses. One particular business was uh, Handley Controls, and and also EMS Controls and Paul Fahey and Evan Fahey, um, Kevin Dundon, Nick Breen, John Cremins, uh, Kevin Corbett, all the guys there, uh, I can't thank you enough, they donated two brand new generators. And one of those generators I was able to give to uh, Marina and her family to be able to just provide basic things like heat and, uh, not heat, excuse me, but lighting mm. and um, and cooking so they can run an electric cooker off the um, off the generator. So uh, a huge thank you to to Paul, to Evan and to the rest of the gang in Hanleys and, and to EMS. Um It has gone to good use. I have documented evidence of it that I'll be posting up online later, but um, they were so appreciative, and uh, I was happy to, um, to to be of assistance.
1: Well, Andrew, it's always good to talk to you. Do be safe. When can we expect you home?
9: Uh, indefinitely, I will be home for Christmas. made yeah. a promise to my boy Alexander that I, I will be... As Chris Maria said, I'll be driving home for Christmas, but um, I, I have a lot of work to do yet. Um, I am going uh, further east, um, so I have another um, mission today to a school for children with uh, with special needs, and it's my intention to drive to there today to see exactly what I can uh, can do for them and give them. And once I do that, I will be uh, I'll be heading east then to uh, to help with uh, training. Um, So I'll be training civilians and I'll also be training members of the Territorial Defence and the military in tactical medicine and just basic life-saving
1: skills. Well, we wish you the very, very best. I hope you'll drop into us if you get time when, when you come back, uh, Andrew, because we'd love to chat to you and uh, stay up to date on what's happening. Um, be safe, and thanks for coming on with me this morning, Andrew. Thank
9: you. I really appreciate it, Fran. As always, you've been so good and so supportive of, of, of myself on the missions over here, and, and I just want to say thank you very much to that. Fran, if I could just finish further of course. by saying um, I just want to pay my respects to um, uh, Pierre uh, zachers and to Rory Mason. Uh, They are two Irish citizens who lost their lives here in Ukraine. Uh, Pierre was a, um, he is a a war cameraman, basically. His job was to be in the front line to document the truth. And unfortunately, he lost his life uh, earlier this year. And Rory Mason um, was an Irish soldier. And again, he was fighting for freedom. And I just wanted to pay tribute to those um, two men and uh, to say that, um, you know, there's nothing stronger than the heart of a volunteer. And I, and I just wanted the people um, associated with, with Pierre and with um, Rory that they haven't been forgotten out here.
1: Thanks, Andrew, and uh, good morning to you. That's Andrew Last uh, live from Kiev uh, today, and uh, doing tremendous work in fairness, to him, absolutely tremendous, and we wish him uh, a safe journey. And we look forward to chatting to him when he comes home for Christmas. Eighteen hundred nine three eight double zero seven. Don't forget match three just after eleven. If you want to play match three, will you register with us, please? Oh eight three three double one double three double
4: one. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association
0: with Slattery's of Pecon, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie With Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Pocon, you
3: can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067
1: Now it's time to talk farming and I'm delighted to welcome back Katrina Morris, the editor of the Farmer's Journal. Good morning to you, Katrina. Good
6: morning,
1: friend. Delighted to be back. And uh, welcome back indeed. And I hope all is well.
6: All is great. Thank you very much. Good,
1: good. Delighted to hear it. Let us kick off with that World Cup uh, burger. Bonanza to drive off uh, beef uh, consumption but I was interested to read Katrina that questions now being asked as to why Irish beef is at the bottom of the EU price table I mean we we have that premium reputation haven't we
6: we have that premium reputation we have obviously a very grass-fed beef products compared to some other countries on the market. And as you say, farmers are rightly asking why are Irish prices now at the bottom of the EU table and in fact lagging behind uh, countries like Argentina Mm. and Poland, which we would always consider ourselves superior to in our beef product. So the suspicion, Fran, would be that there's someone keeping a few crates in the pocket somewhere along the chain. um, But demand for the World Cup Um, soccer fans now will be out in force. They'll be going out to watch watch matches. Mm. and There'll be uh, what we've called a burger bonanza. There's expected to be a big hike in in beef demand. So we do expect a strong hike in beef prices over the coming weeks because the World Cup, plus the usual Christmas buying by factories, which will happen in the next kind of two weeks or so, um, should push prices up to where we, you know, where Irish farmers think Irish beef prices should be.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens where that is concerned. But I love the notion of the burger uh, bonanza for the mm-hmm. world, the World Cup. There's a ban on burning bushes as well, and uh, that kicks in pretty soon, I suppose.
6: That's right, yeah. So that will kick in from the 1st of January. There's a season where farmers are allowed to burn bushes um, and that would traditionally be from the 1st of September to the end of February. There was a major kerfuffle last year when Minister for the Environment, Eamon Ryan, didn't give a derogation for the burning of bushes, which had always been given Mm. every year, kind of no questions asked. At that time, he said that 2022 is going to be the last year that burning of bushes would be allowed. He will be sticking to his guns. And the problem is there is no other solution. So
1: yeah, I was going to ask you what the alternative to that is.
6: The alternative really is you pile up the bushes in the corner of the field and call it a biodiversity area. There's only so much space you can give mm. to that on, on many farms. Or... The other option is that you transport it to a landfill that will take green waste or you bring in a machine to mulch it. So it's kind of, I suppose, ironic that the, the decision to not allow the burning of bushes could actually cause bigger environmental problems in terms of burning fossil fuels to transport bushes and to diesel used in a mulcher.
1: So the carbon so, footprint for this could be larger than just burning the bushes?
6: You would just wonder at the um, the sensibility of it. To be honest, yeah.
1: of course, there is extra cost involved then as well, isn't it? Extra there?
6: cost, absolutely, yeah. And you know, farmers they they take advantage of the open season for being able to maintain hedges, and, and it's an important part of being able to you know work farm machinery and keep hedges stock proof for animals, um, and to not be able to tidy up after themselves and you know be able to dispose of of that um, is kind of annoying and also in the next in the new agri-environmental scheme there's actually a measure where farmers are being encouraged to coppice which is to uh, tidy up the hedges cut back some and lay the hedges as a lot of people would call it there will be plenty of um, trimmings left over after that and farmers are now saying what are we supposed to do with it
1: That's interesting isn't it um the veterinary medicines bill there's a it's been stalled has it
6: Yeah, so we've been talking about this probably for 18 months, I think, at this stage. This is, um, as listeners might remember, it's the introduction of needing a prescription for some very common medicine products that would never have required a prescription before, for example, routine wormers. And then there is talk of splitting the role of the vet as a prescriber of a particular veterinary medicine, and the vet as the seller of that particular vet, that particular veterinary medicine, and taking away that incentive um, that could be there for a vet to both prescribe and sell a product. And um, the whole thinking behind this part of it really is that there's a, obviously a huge drive on to reduce antibiotic use, mm, yeah, because that affects not only animals but but uh, humans as well. Um, so, unfortunately, the Agricultural Committee are not happy with the legislation as it's framed, the draft legislation as it's framed at the minute. They're saying more work needs to be done. And for that reason, the 1st of December introduction of those rules definitely will not happen.
1: The deal uh, between Russia and Ukraine on the Black Sea grain exports, what's the story there at the moment? Because Russia pulled out of this essentially, but I, I think you, Ukraine continued to export, did they not?
6: So there has been negotiations ongoing, and actually, Anne Finnegan, my colleague in the Farmers' Journal, um, t- sent me a text there just before we came uh, on air to say that this deal has now been signed. So it is an agreement that's in place, I suppose, to allow a certain amount of grain and other foodstuffs out of that region, and Russia and Ukraine. That is back in place, so it will it will allow that export of Russian food and fertilizer. The, the, the downstream effect of that I suppose is it should soften uh, fertilizer prices and ho- should hopefully stabilize food prices if it continues.
1: Well hopefully so indeed. Um, a bird flu as well. Can I ask you about that uh, Katrina because it seems to be threatening more than the turkeys at this point, is it?
6: Yeah, that's right. Obviously the, the flock that was affected was 3,000 birds in a turkey flock in County Monaghan. But it is bird flu. It has the potential to affect all types of birds, um, directly and indirectly, so the uh, poultry producers of Ireland are very concerned about laying hens and broilers because this is a disease that if it gets into a flock, it just runs rampant. Mm. Um, there's a huge, huge national effort focused I suppose, in Cavan and Monaghan where 70% of Ireland's birds are farmed to try and keep a lid on this disease. It's a very difficult thing to do. I think there were six cases in total last winter. Um, we've had that one in in Monaghan mm. in the turkey flock, but it would have huge impact for um, all poultry farmers, so the ones that are producing eggs and the ones that are producing chicken for the shelves as well.
1: Yeah, because, of course, we're seeing in the UK now that there's a rationing of, of eggs, and we're also concerned, I suppose, at the turkey supply for Christmas here.
6: Yeah, so I suppose one flock being affected so far isn't isn't going to affect the supply chain. The supermarkets, the supermarkets tell us, Lidl and Aldi have both said they've, they've good availability and they don't foresee any issues. Unfortunately, if other flocks are affected, that's where we could see a problem. But. Hopefully that will not come to pass, as I say, a huge national effort there between the farmers, the Department of Agriculture, you know, there's protective zones and surveillance zones in place in Monaghan at the minute, so we'll all hope that it won't come to to affecting the Christmas turkeys.
1: Right, I wonder how it will affect prices though of turkeys at Christmas, or will it?
6: Scarcity nearly always means an increase in price, but I suppose a lot of that will depend on when people are placing their orders. As always, Fran, I think we spoke about this time last year. The idea is to get into your your shop or your butcher and place your order.
1: Early and, and make sure that you can get yours. Uh, Katrina, you're so welcome back. Lovely to talk to you today and thanks very much indeed. Thank you. I'm friend. Good morning to you. That's Katrina Morrissey there. Katrina, of course, is a Tipperary woman from Care and editor of the Farmers Journal. The journal is on your shelves right now.
4: If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1 800 007. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Welcome back
1: to Tip Today. Now, Family Carers Ireland, the national charity supporting Ireland's family carers, is uh, delighted to announce uh, that this year's uh, Netwatch uh, Tipperary Family Carer of the Year is Rachel Reed from Clonmel and Family Carers Ireland. Uh, local manager Richie Malloy uh, presented the award to Rachel in the Family Care Centre in Clamell. I'm delighted to say that uh, Richie and Rachel both with me here in studio. Good morning to you both, Good morning. and congratulations to Thank you, Rachel, you. and Thank and you. well done to you. And we'll hear your story in in a moment. But Richie, I know that from the press release I was reading that uh, there was quite a lot of uh, nominations for but Rachel. There was, yeah. and it's
10: probably one of the most difficult um, competitions I'd say for the judges to to, to come up. With, the, with a winner, and Rachel, to be fair, and I had a lot of nominations from family yes. and friends who so took a lot of time to write up yes. what they thought of Rachel, and it was very very impressive. You know, twenty four hour seven, carer and so helpful to other young mothers that are in the same situation. Maybe they would have children born up in Crumlin or in the hospitals, yes. and then Rachel has played a big part in helping those parents adjust. To being a a full time carer, you know, so there was lots and lots of good reasons that Rachel was nominated. Even some of the lovely comments that they've yes. written, you know, a lovely mammy, always in good humour, <laughs> and that and it's not easy, I know. You know, when you are a full time carer, so we were delighted that they picked Rachel and we presented her with the award. And Rachel, I suppose, we always say, in a sense, represents the thousands of carers of across Tipperary who are doing the job, and it creates an awareness in society exactly. of how important it is to remember the care or behind the scenes. And just to mention Rachel's partner, Valley, I'm conscious yes. that he was there yesterday. Yes. <laughs> and I know it's a giant you know, Absolutely. giant family yeah. operation. But sometimes they just say that can be forgotten. And yes. he's listing this of morning, course, so of we course. must we <laughs> must say that. Well, that con- well done
1: and him. and we extend our congratulations to him as well. Uh, Rachel, will you tell me about Grayson? That's your 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 son's name. I mean, being a a, a a mum at the best of times is difficult, but you had COVID to contend with, and then you had the diagnosis of your son as yes, well, didn't you? Yeah. yeah. So
11: he was born just before COVID kicked off. So, you know limitations of visiting him in hospital and there was nine weeks where Fally couldn't go and see him it was just me in there oh, no. so um, you know it seems like a different world now it seems years ago but yeah. it really isn't um, and then diagnosis of cerebral palsy and he has a tracheostomy to help him breathe he's tube fed um, but oh my God, the happiest little boy. Is he? <laughs> the happiest little boy. Is he? Yes, he it's really is.
1: But you became, I mean, not only a new mum, but you became a carer. Yes. Literally overnight.
11: Overnight, yeah. Something you never, ever expect. And, you know, that's the same for, I say, all carers nearly. Mm. You know, that it's, your child's supposed to be born, you're supposed to go home in a day or two, and that's supposed to be it. Um, and to be just thrown into this world of, Medical terms and learn how to use this, learn how to use that. You know, it's it's crazy to think what you can learn and of what course, you will and how learn how quickly. You can yeah. do
1: that, and we're talking about twenty four seven, Karen. Yeah, here, aren't we? absolutely.
11: Yeah. yeah, and you know, um, Grayson is very lucky to attend play school, especially at play school, and mm. um, we have nursing at night time, which we would be lost without, but. It is all day until the nurses come in for like 10 hours overnight. Mm. So, um, you know, it's bringing Grayson to and from his appointments, doing physio, doing speech and language therapy, doing Mm. all his cares. And you have a
1: lot of travelling to do, haven't you? Yes, yeah.
11: So we go to, he gets seen in Crumlin Hospital and Cork Hospital, and we also bring him to private physio and speech language in Cork. So it's a lot of travelling mm-hmm. on the road, definitely a full-time job. <laughs>
1: but your life has become about Grayson yes. now, so your your own lives, I guess, are pushed to yeah, the side. Absolutely,
11: yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And in a way, you know, you kind of feel like, isn't that the same for every parent? But it isn't, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. That it's above and beyond, and... Um, Yeah, there's trying to find time to just be a couple and Mm, have alone time, and you know what I mean. It's just um, few and far in between. But
1: are you constantly worried when you're away from him as well? I mean, is it like that?
11: Um, No, I, you know, like Valley is with him when I'm not with him, and or his nurses are with him. Um, We're very lucky to have lots of trained people around, Mm. but there's obviously that attachment that yes, I'd course. rather be there. <laughs> yes, of
1: course. You would. Why why wouldn't you indeed? Um it's a, when you look to the future, I mean you're talking about care for Yeah for a long time. Yes. I mean wh- how how do you cope with that? How do you deal with that?
11: Um I think you just take the little wins when you get them. Um you know like Grayson recently started rolling at the age of two and a half which we never thought we'd see and right. He loves rolling onto his belly and getting stuck and then crying for help. So, <laughs> you know, it's great to see the determination, but as well, it's um, it's sad. You know, it's sad to see that, like, a two-and-a-half-year-old should be up and running around. But yes. you just kind of have to take it. You, you have to, like, we could be without him, is what we always say, you know. So um, we made this choice to care for him and to keep him here and do all the cares that he needs to do. So you just get on with it, you know. And
1: you describe him as happy. Yes. Is he? Yeah,
11: Yeah, he really is. Yeah, yeah, he's, oh my God, always smiling, always laughing. Um, He does sign language, so well able to tell you what he wants. Right. He puts his hands up in the air to tell you to pick him up and fake cries and just, oh, typical three-year-old. So he definitely has a personality, definitely.
1: And has he a notion of Santa?
11: No, 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 no. So right. yeah, no. I'll get away with that for as long as you I can. Get away.
1: <laughs> oh. All right, indeed. And uh, wh- what about I mean, you say about his his play school and the like, and uh, interacting with other kids? How does he?
11: Yeah, he loves other kids. Does he he yeah. loves other kids, and it is hard in a way because I find kids probably don't really. You know, know how to go up to him, or like they could hand him a toy, and if they don't get that interaction back, they don't know how to take it. But you just have to encourage other kids and like my friends' kids and everybody to include him, and everything is about inclusion. You know, like Grayson is one of the town's uh, little blue heroes on yes. the blue yeah. So you know, even those things include him, and he's always down to town and he's always out and about um, and people know him now and it's lovely to see that that people will come up to him and talk to him and he'll smile at you and you know that it's not something to shy away from Yes. Um, and he loves interaction he loves playing he... I think Roger's place cool than being at home with me, <laughs> you know. So um, isn't that fantastic? Yeah. You know
1: that yeah. he's, he's embraced absolutely. it so much. Yeah, um, Richie, you and I would have spoken about this many times. But this is a great example of somebody who becomes a carer overnight. Absolutely,
10: because you know. just in the presentation yesterday, yeah, I was just making that point that anyone can become a carer yeah, tomorrow morning. Absolutely. Somebody could be in a car accident. The next thing you're the carer. Yeah. yeah, and it is kind of frightening. And I, I was saying to Rachel coming over here this morning that often people ring me and they're actually shocked at how little services are actually available. There's kind of a misconception that there is great services. Now, and in fairness, in Rachel's case, you know, she has got, you know, good support from the HSE, you know, because his condition is so... Profound, But I suppose the biggest challenges are for the carers that are in that middle, maybe on the artistic spectrum, mm. or that can be one you. Know, and I'm thinking of the, the Darmody's that yes, we're all very yeah. involved with at mm. the moment, Cara Darmody and that and her young brothers. You know, you're on waiting lists for years mm. and yes. that can't be right. Yeah. And that's what I suppose we even with the award, it is a lovely part of the job, you know, mm. uh, giving the yeah. care of the Year yeah. award out. But it does create that awareness in general society that there's a lot out there to be fixed still. You know, you've got the means test and the lack, I think it's the lack of services in particular. Children are literally going through whole of primary school ending mm-hmm. up in secondary school before the services yeah. finally kick yes. in, yeah. especially in speech and language. Yeah. And that's not right, you know. So I suppose that's the job of we'd we'll say family carers yeah. to keep that message out there. You know, to our politicians and to the government and you know, in fairness to your fan and Tip FM you've highlighted at every opportunity. Mm-hmm. But budgets come and go, in my opinion anyway, yeah. and very little changes. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I'd say to carers that might be listening this morning, to make contact with our organisation because even Rachel has been a member of Family Carers Ireland for a long time. Even that little membership card gets you Mm -hmm. into Ford Island maybe the cinema. They're only small little things really but at the same time it makes you feel that society is interested, so yeah. you know. I'd say to carers this morning that mightn't be involved in any organisation. Mm-hmm. Make contact with us through the websites or the centre here in in the Place for You building in Clanmel. Mm-hmm. But it's important to think that you're you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And I know Rachel herself does a lot of advocacy. You know, she has her own. She might tell you in a minute about the platform that you've created. With with care is kind of yes. coming together yeah.
1: and yeah. trading. T- tell me a bit about that one. What, what have you done
11: there? Um, so just mainly Instagram and Facebook and mothers who, say, have left hospital and don't know what to do, don't know what they're entitled to, um, don't know how to get certain supplies, especially unique things like for a tracheostomy. Um, and you know, who do I go to for this? Who do I go to for that? Yes. And it's just... And you
1: help them through your experience, yes, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And,
11: you know, it takes nothing out of my day. Um, yeah. But even just reading what they wrote about me when, you know, these other mothers nominated me and that, it sticks with them and it's yes. it, it, it but, makes But I difference. guess you
1: had to learn yourself yeah. about all of this.
11: Absolutely. And I don't know why, but I didn't go... I didn't really have anybody to ask those questions to yes. and it's only, even in the past two years, the community and, you know, advocating for this has really gone above and beyond that. Mm. Some mothers leaving hospital would ask me, how would you organise his supplies? How do you do this? And I'm sending them videos of Grayson's room and where I put this, where I put that. And
1: right. So it's a practical help yeah, for, for, you know, for people. And Can I ask you, before Grayson was born, did you have any knowledge of this? Absolutely Sorry. not.
11: None? No, yeah. no absolutely not. Um, so you're
1: in at the deep end? Yeah, really?
11: absolutely. Absolutely. Like I bought my cotton, bought the bottles and sterilisers and thought, away yeah. I go. You know, so i um, shocked to the system, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, what does it
1: mean to you to be um, acknowledged as a carer and a temporary carer of the year? How does that does that mean anything to you?
11: Yes, it's amazing to get that acknowledgement. You know, um, I think us ourselves and the people around us, we're all just so used to doing it mm. that it just feels like you're being a parent. You're, yes. That's your job. You get up in the morning, you do X, Y, Z. You go to appointments, that's it. But to really step back and think, God, this is a lot, mm. you know, and it's a lot of travelling. It's a lot of, um, like we bring Grace into private therapies. It's a lot of money that yes. we're spending ourselves, you know? And to just kinda get that acknowledgement of Yeah, you it's know, terrific it, and so well
1: deserved as well. We're we're hearing about huge cost of living jump, you know, particularly mm. with energy and one thing and another. And you have a lot of exes on top of that, yes. anyway. Is it is it tough?
11: It is tough and it's definitely gotten tougher. Um you know it's we're so thankful for the public health nurse and for certain people who do help mm. get us supplies and mm. get us things, but we do notice there's a massive difference between community o t and physio and speech and language compared to going privately for Grayson, so we do go privately for that reason right. we kind of we do both but. We have to put in the money to go privately right. to get but, more. But there's out of very
1: that. different. To, there's two tiers yeah. there. Is that, yeah, what, is that what you're saying to me? Yeah, uh, that, that's important to point out, isn't it? That I mean, the cost of living is difficult for everybody, Richie. But if you're a carer on a, a small sum of money, no, absolutely. I mean, the heating costs are a big one, and yeah. you certainly say people that will be
10: caring for their parents. Yes, the costs of oil and gas yeah. have gone through the roof. Yeah, and even with the government, you know, the monies that are coming out there in November, yeah. the mm. five hundred, you get. 500 euros I think if you're on the carer's yes. allowance but by and large if you're on 224 a week mm. I mean the costs are so high now yeah. that we felt that they didn't really give enough recognition to that in the budget yes. Just, you see lots of lip service can be paid yeah. all the time but and when the annual money comes out in the summer it kind of sounds oh you're getting 2000 euros mm. but the 2000 euros especially this year would be gone one Very fit of the easy, aisle thing. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I might, I might read one quote that um, one of the nominee. I don't want to embarrass um, Rachel here this morning. <laughs> <far laughs> but one of the, you know, she, she had several nominations, but one of them is just a short few lines. Rachel is an incredible mammy. She entered motherhood in the hardest of times when the world was struggling with COVID, one hurdle after another. She has shown nothing but resilience and compassion to being a full time carer to her little boy Grayson. She is a mammy like no other. And you can see this through her little by smile with all the care and love she gives. He adores her. Rachel should be the Network
1: Family Care of the Year and I think we can agree with that. And uh, that's, for, that's for sure. Are you, are you embarrassed about all no. of
11: that? <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Rachel, we wish
1: you well and we wish Grayson the very, very best as well. And thank you thank so you. much for coming into us so today. Much. Richie, thanks very much. Nice uh, congratulations thank to Rachel you. and her family. Uh, news is on the way.
4: Tip Today with Fran Curry
3: With Slattery's Garage, Puck On. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, Puck On on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks,
1: Paul. Welcome back to Tip Today, 1800 938 007. All right, it
4: is time to do this. Tip FM's Match 3 Game.
3: Tip FM's Match 3 Game.
4: With Stakelem's Home and Hardware and expert electrical at Racecourse Road Thurless. Stakelams.ie And we're going to the
1: phone line and to Sheila O'Dea. Sheila, good morning to you. Good
12: morning, Sam.
1: How are you today, Sheila? Good, thanks. Are you feeling lucky today? Uh, Not really, no. I've a couple of cues, but... We'll see what happens and we, we wish you the very best. You know the story right. well, I'm sure, at this point, which is that yes. if you uh, if you manage to come up with a number that's already gone, we give you another choice. If that's already gone, we have to say goodbye. Is that okay with you, Sheila? That's fine, yes. All that's right. Good. Okay, so let's go then. A number between 1 and 90.
12: Um,
1: number 13. Number 13. Let's uh, open that box. And number 13 is a DeLonghi pumped coffee machine. It's valued at just under 150 euro. What about another number for me? Um, 33. Let's go with 33 and we'll see what happens where that is concerned. (coughs) Oh, you're doing well. 33 is also a De'Longhi pumped coffee machine, so uh, good stuff and well done to you. Your third choice? Number four. Your third choice is number four, let's have a look at that I'm afraid number four is gone Mm. number four is gone so sadly I have to say goodbye to you Sheila but you, you did very well and you gave a lot of information to people out there I would imagine as well do you want to say hello to anybody as you're on anybody that
12: knows
1: me All right, Sheila do play again won't you Well I will thank you. Thanks very much, friend. You're very welcome, Sheila Baba. Janana, Sheila O. D. playing match three. Of course, we'll give you opportunities right throughout the day on all the other programs to do that. And we will play match three tomorrow.
3: Tip FM's Match 3 game. Unwrap an early Christmas present from Stakelum's Home and Hardware and Stakelum's Expert Electrical at Racecourse Road Thurless. Shop online at stakelums.ie. Match 3. Win the prize. Tip FM.
1: Now, we're with you every single weekday morning, of course, from 9 o'clock. Don't forget that. And Anne-Marie spoke to us in the first hour of the show this morning. She gave us a warning about not trying out your kids' toys this Christmas. Here's a little bit of what she had to say to me this morning.
8: We got a flicker scooter for one of the grandkids.
13: What's a flicker
1: scooter and now?
8: It's got handlebars, it's got brakes, and it's got two foot pedals in a V-shape, and you swing them in and out, and it builds up speed as you go along. Oh, I know, I know the one, yes. I'm sure I thought, look, they were a bit nervous. I said, I'll show you how to do this. <laughs> so I got up on the flicker. I was, you know, a couple of years ago, like I said, and outside my house, it's not a hill, it's on uh, kind of a slope, yeah. slight slope. I went down the road on it anyway, but it quickly built up speed I didn't expect. <laughs> And I got to the end of the road and I thought, <clears throat> I'll turn left, I'll be grand. I'll go up onto the grass verge, I'll, I'll slow down. But as I turned left at the end of my road outside the house, lo and behold, didn't the flicker fly up into the air and I landed down on my elbow. I oh was in big strand, oh, in I'm agony. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's um, now, this is me. I was in my late 40s. I'm 51 at the minute.
1: <laughs> I'm so sorry for laughing, Anne-Marie, but, I I mean, know, did, but you, did you break a, a bone or...?
8: I actually ended up with a fractured elbow.
1: Did you? Oh, God.
8: You're uh, it was only a slight fracture. You it wasn't too bad. But that wasn't the worst part. The following summer, now, this was in the wintertime, but the following summer that year, one of the kids got, um, you might remember these years ago now, they came back out a couple of years back, um, pogo stick.
1: Oh, I do. I do. I remember them well.
8: Yeah. I like to get the kids things that they'll have, so they're outside, not always inside, on games and
1: concerts. Yeah,
8: yeah. So we got a pogo stick, but the spring in it, being new, was very stiff, so I... <laughs> Of course, we were out in the garden towards the summer and I was like, I'll loosen the spring up and we'll have a go. And trying to build up their confidence to go on it, I was up and down in the garden. And of course, the bogus stick clipped a little pebble and I leaned, I could see myself, my garden wall is pebble dash and all I could see was my head hopping off it. So I put my hand out to stop myself. Now, no safety gear would have saved me from what happened. But it was either my hand or my head. So I put my hand out to stop my head hitting the wall. And I ended up with a uh, fractured thumb because oh, my, my thumb went backwards. Oh, but I would I would definitely warn parents, do not try their kids' dive. Because my... when I was above an A&E that night, having my finger x-rayed, the doctor asked what happened. And I was telling them yes. And he was a foreign doctor, a very nice doctor. And he said, what's a And the nurses were in the stitches laughing. <laughs> and they had to actually Google a stick to show the doctor what it
9: was.
1: I love it. Uh, that's Anne-Marie speaking to me this morning with uh, a very cautionary tale about uh, trying out your children's uh, toys. Uh, glad to be joined now in the studio by Muriel Cuddy, who's CEO of Marito 8020 in Clonmel. Muriel, good morning to you. Morning, you, Fran. You, you'd never try out your children's toys or anything
13: like that, would you? <laughs> Uh, definitely not no I just I was saying to you isn't it Christmas Eve that you actually start putting this (laughs) anti-stuff together after like half a bottle of wine or whatever here's the health guru Um, chatting yeah and that's when you definitely don't try out your kids' ties don't
1: do it a warning a fair warning indeed you're going to talk to us today about something that's very close to most people's hearts and that would be binging and overeating and what's involved you know why do we do it we know we're going to be sick we know we're going to be unwell
13: and you know it's funny because a couple of stats first of all and one one a line came to mind that I saw somewhere in the last week or two, Fran, and was like, we're a sick generation with happy pictures. Like, that really resonates, doesn't wow, it? Yeah. yeah. Sick generation, happy pictures. That would never have been years ago. Well, the pictures, yeah. But, like, there's a couple of stats there. Like, the average adult consumes 152 pounds of sugar a year and 138 pounds of flour. So that's like a person of sugar and a person of flour. And that's probably about 65,000, or sorry, 65% of the calories that her body needs for the year. And that's really scary. And then when you go to the pre-diabetic side and the diabetic side, like the stats are there that there's 537 million adults with diabetes and about the same number, 541 pre-diabetic. It's a quarter of a million adults in Ireland that are pre-diabetic or have type 2 diabetes.
1: That's frightening, isn't it?
13: It's all really frightening, and like I suppose binge eating. What does binge eating mean, and where does it come from? So there's a few things. Like if you binge eat, it can be genetic. So if it's in your family and it has been there, like that's one of the sides, and and it's really hard if something runs in a family, to to reverse that. Um, if your family overeat and your your parents overeat, and there was episodes of times of the whatever day week whatever, mm. then. It, it, it's you know within as well depression low self-esteem things like that they're the norm stress and anxiety and then the extreme dieting and extreme dieting is one of the ones that we all know like if you do stop eating you're just going to yeah. you're just going to crave food, food big time but what's binge eating then so like is it that you sit down and you overeat at night and when, when I say what binge eating is and just listen to these it's nearly every single person to be honest with you so it's like eating in a discreet amount of time a large amount of food so that's maybe within two hours that mm. you eat like the the, the the double the amount of what a normal person would eat. What What's a normal person, I suppose. A sense of a lack of control over eating, OK? Um, eating too much uh, more rapidly than normal, so you eat faster than normal. Eating until you're uncomfortably full. Eating large amounts of food when you're not physically hungry. Eating alone because of embarrassment over how much you're actually eating or what you're eating. And feeling disgusted with oneself, depressed or very guilty afterwards. Like... Uh, would would they not tick boxes for like most people? I'm sure they would. A lot of the time you know and this is, we're coming into the winter time and in the last whatever, two weeks again in clinic, I've seen so many different people in relation to like not able to get this right. So we're not able to get the food side of things right and how we eat and when we eat and that you know and if I said to you Fran, sit down and overeat good food Mm. so like brown bread and Eggs and all the bits, you wouldn't be able to do it.
1: Yeah, it's the junk. Isn't it's
13: it's it's the junk, you know. Yeah. And it's I suppose it's um, your insulin level, insulin levels, and insulin resistance that comes from overeating and obesity, right? And what is it like? Because I'm talking to people about this all the time. Like, mm. so what's pushing us? And you know, what's making us unwell as well? So what's pushing us to overeat? And what's making us unwell? So insulin resistance, and if your insulin levels rise, and that's your blood su- blood sugars. So mm. so you know we're hearing a lot about that lately. That causes so many illnesses, as in like heart disease and cancers, 13 different types of cancers, Uh, diabetes, dementia, muscle loss, um, hormone imbalances, all the different things that I'm treating every day can be fueled from behind the scenes with an imbalance um, in your blood sugars. So just, I suppose, a little education, so what insulin resistance, so the pancreas pumps out more insulin to get blood sugar into the cells. What does the pancreas do? The pancreas makes um, from the, your, your, those enzymes, okay, so it breaks down your sugars, fats and starches, mm. okay. So when you put sugar into your system, the pancreas pumps out insulin to get the bl- blood sugar into your cells, okay. Over time the cells stop responding to that insulin and they become insulin resistant if that makes sense, right? But the pancreas stays making insulin. It stays making more and more insulin to try and make the cells respond. And eventually the pancreas can't keep up and your blood sugar levels stay rising, okay? So the more your blood sugar levels rise, you lose the satiety effect. So you lose the effect of feeling full. You lose the effect of feeling that your hunger is gone and it makes you overeat. So when you start overeating and the vicious cycle starts, overeat, gain weight, become more insulin resistant, secrete more, secrete more insulin, overeat again more weight so that's the cycle if that makes sense to you
1: and the result is what type 2 diabetes
13: it's type 2 diabetes or any of the other illnesses mm. that I've said like as in the heart disease and the cancers and all the different dementia everything like' it's, our body is like a machine mm. and if the machine isn't working right sugar is flooding through it all the time and it's just it's corroding it's eroding it's just breaking everything down and it's 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 depleting things then like say we talked a lot about gut and microbiome and all the different bits and pieces Mm. like so we need things like dopamine and we need like feel-good hormones and that and the more sugar and the more we kill the microbiome the more we kill the bacteria and that we're losing things then like the dopamine and the feel-good hormones and Mm. we're increasing hormones like cortisol which is a stress hormone and a stress hormone makes us overeat as well so like binge eating doesn't come from just nowhere you know, once, once we start the vicious cycle of doing things wrong, it's really hard then to pull ourselves back to do mm. things right. Mm. And like if you can get dopamine right, like probiotics, like say we've talked about that before, they increase dopamine production. So if we can do a few simple things right, and like if you can increase dopamine, you increase your mood. And if you increase your mood, you start feeling better. Mm. And if you feel better, then you're more inclined to eat better. So it's trying to get the picture or get the balance right, Fran. If that makes sense to you, too,
1: it does indeed make sense. And of course, I mean, you alluded to it there. It's it's they're colder mornings now. It's colder weather. It's winter time, and of course, a lot of us, uh, myself included, we we look to food for comfort in these times. And it, there's a danger to that, I suppose.
13: You see, there is, but if you can get the habits right, so um, education, and support are two of the biggest things. And I suppose that's what I'm doing every single day when I sit down and I'm chatting to people or whatever. Yes. Every single person that comes in, I say to them, we're not a doctor's surgery. So you come in, you get the education side and hopefully within two or three sessions you're gone that you can actually help somebody change their habits and do the support, right? But like I said to you a minute ago, if we can do things like that, we can include good food, right, uh, instead of the bad food mm. and decide, right, leave the sugar and what can I eat instead? So what's what for dopamine? Like, Would you think in your head, have you any idea what foods increase dopamine in your body?
1: Well, you see, I would associate it with something like chocolate,
13: yeah, you well, know? dark chocolate is fine. Dark yeah. chocolate is fine. Yeah, yeah. Did you say yuck?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. Sorry, did that come out? Um, no, I mean, I can well, suffer a square yeah. of it here and there. I'm yes.
13: telling Fran to eat dark chocolate, guys, for uh, yeah. God knows how long now. them. Um, this is one of the ones, actually, people will smile at this. So, peanuts actually increased dopamine. Seeds and nuts in, in, in themselves increase dopamine. Mm-hmm. Sire products are really good. We always, you always hear me talking about turmeric. That's really good. But watermelon, things like that are all really good. And almonds, apples, avocados, bananas, um, beetroot, chocolate and dark chocolate, both. So mm. it doesn't have to be dark chocolate. So And coffee. They all increase dopamine. Okay. And they all, you know, on the probiotic side, they all help. Um, right, the gut, you know, but the gut microbiome and all that kind of thing. So mm. you're looking at me, friend, like.
1: <laughs> no, I'm just. Uh, well, <laughs> I'm probably looking for good news from you all the time. You see, yeah. but but and can
13: you get used
1: to that kind of thing? I mean, well, you see,
13: um, a cycle of binge eating. If somebody does it once in a wonder, we're all going to do it like over Christmas. Yes. Um and I don't now never mind, like people would say to me, Oh my god, Muriel, um if they're coming in to get weight or whatever, you know, to go on the body analyzer and that and we're doing the hydration levels and everything, they'll say to me, I was out all weekend or I went drinking on Saturday night, I was eating all day yesterday. This is going to be a disaster, you know? Mm. That's absolutely fine. And we all do that. So you go out for the meals and you eat all around you and the three courses and you open the stop button and or the mm. bo- whatever button and all and you do it at Christmas time. The secret to being able to control it is you get back on track straight away. Right. So even if you have a week's holidays by the Monday, you've got to be able to switch it, that you say to yourself, right, it's all gone. You will be starving that day, so you will be very hungry that mm. Monday. But it does work. The other thing that really works is intermittent fasting. And there's a thing called dopamine fasting. So have mm. you ever heard of dopamine fasting, no, Fran? I haven't. So no. dopamine fasting is like a tolerance break. That's what they call it, right? So a tolerance break is literally from everything, as in try and take a break from stress so how do you do that Mm -hmm. so you turn off your phone Mm -hmm. uh, you try and get to bed on time and bring a book to bed with you and things like that but it's also from the food side of things okay so if you can fast that you can actually take a 16-hour break that your body has a break from everything Mm. even at different times that's called a dopamine fast because when you actually eat again or when you even pick your phone up again you get the dopamine hit from getting it back because you've, you've, you've put it to one side for a okay, little while yeah. and that works and you know me I love intermittent fasting I think mm. it really works so well so if you would eat on a Sunday and you did the binge on the Sunday or whatever it is there's nothing wrong with actually skipping breakfast on Monday morning it's not okay. a given that we have and to And does the this. body
1: not go into some sort of shock about not being fed?
13: Well for any of us I think we all have enough on us <laughs> but we're going to survive for whatever you know Yes. like if we were actually put out in the desert for a couple of weeks we'd all be fine yeah, You know, once we'd have enough to drink. So no, I don't, that doesn't, unless you have underlying health issues okay. that you need to keep your blood sugar stable or there's you're taking medication or you're doing something like that. The most, most of us that are normal, Fran, we would survive for the week. Like mm. we might fall asleep, mm. you know, in the evening of the day one. By day two, we'll have headaches. By mm. day three, you know, maybe even nauseousness. By day four, you start getting the
6: mm.
13: euphoric feeling. Dopamine will hit you by day 5 or 6 you won't even want food mm. and you'll be you know, able to drink your water and stuff so for me that dopamine fasting that actually works so a day even a full day 24 hour fast and even the psychologists that work with us behind the scenes they do it all the time they might do oh. a full one day of 24 hours and their health markers are perfect so it brings down the blood sugars. It's It helps stabilise the insulin levels. Yeah.
1: Liam was on and he said he was advised uh, two days ago that eggs are not good for cholesterol and he's wondering when I ask Muriel about this, I eat an egg a day and I'm in good health, thank God, says Liam. What about Advice has changed on that over the years. Eggs wasn't? for
13: years, yeah, they always said there was cholesterol in eggs, yeah. but they didn't realise, I suppose for a long time, the difference between good and bad cholesterol. It's one of the things again, when people come to get their bloods done, so if anybody's booking in and coming into the clinic to us if they have bloods done already bring them with you get them from your GP always ask for your bloods get your bloods educate yourself on where your health markers are at because if you don't know yourself it's really hard then to make yourself better. But uh, yeah, so the cholesterol. So we've got an LDL, HDL and triglycerides, right? The cholesterol, the HDL is good cholesterol. LDL is bad cholesterol. And then your triglycerides are more like your you're, you're processed or whatever. But the um, HDL is the good cholesterol that's in eggs. Mm. So there's no worries at all about it, okay? We yeah, used So one
1: egg a day that Liam is ha- having, you wouldn't have any um, issues I with
13: I wouldn't that. do the same thing every day. And I think when we hit a certain age, intolerances come from repeating the same food choices all the time our body just says I've enough of this Uh, you know give me a break give me something else variety variety is massive yeah so I'd say maybe three or four times a week
1: Somebody says to us, I had my first consultation with Muriel yesterday, absolutely amazing, fabulous work setting, I'm so excited about improving my health and lifestyle, I wouldn't have known about her other than listening to the sounds on Tip FM, so thank you to, to Tip FM, it says. Hey, isn't it great that somebody comes in like that and you, you give them the kind of I suppose, hope, I suppose, that they can turn things around?
13: Everybody that comes in, if I think I can't work with somebody, Fran, if they come in and they sit down and you're chatting, if you can't do something from, if it's underlying health issues or something that you just can't change, we're very honest. And we say to them, listen, maybe we can help you on whatever, stress or something like that. But if we can't help, we, we, we'll be honest. But 95% of people, there are lifestyle changes that you can make when you sit, sit and chat to somebody. And you know, for some people, it's just a listening ear. Mm-hmm. We actually had a girl in a couple of weeks ago. She was going to have a really bad place in her in her world. She wasn't overweight. There weren't a lot of issues. She came in because she felt if she lost a little bit of weight, she might feel a bit better. She actually went to the aesthetic side and had a half a facelift, <laughs> and came out feeling brilliant afterwards. But mm. you know, it's 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 just the little things. If you can change somebody's world, yeah. But most people go out feeling better, and yeah, we.
1: It's we interesting. It yeah, was a huge reaction to the poo. Last Fran week.
13: mentioned the word pool <laughs> <laughs> There was a huge Without reaction. wincing. Uh, there was a massive reaction, Fran. Wasn't there? Yeah. Uh, everywhere I went, literally, I was. people mentioned it to me about poo. So many people rang. Um, Charlotte had answered the phone. Asked questions went.
1: about their poo.
13: Yes, it was floating, it was dropping, it was this colour, it was that colour, it was whatever. <laughs> there was a massive reaction. I was stopped in the supermarket. So many different places. And you know, some people laughed, but they laughed as in it was really genuine. We mm. were delighted to hear about it. We were delighted that you were chatting about it. We were mm. delighted, you know, to know more about it. Mm. Everybody said to me, "I've learned like so yes. much in the last couple of shows, even of the different things that we were talking Sorry about." But so. you
1: took greatly in the fact of how uncomfortable I was. But you're getting was, better, though. Okay. Yeah, I'm improving. I'm yes. improving yes. where that is concerned. Speaking of the aesthetic side of what you do, I mean,
13: how are things going
1: at the moment with Morito eighty twenty?
13: Great. Like we said to you last week, the shop front is in so that's brilliant so we're going to start painting etc now this week I hope Paul is going to turn up Paul if you're listening Um, so yeah everything um, anyone that's coming in it's really good Fran as in like I said to you doctor led we've done a lot on this week so we've done a lot on social media to say um, why would you come to somebody that's doctor led instead of somebody so you know our world is like it has to be that it actually works for somebody Mm. and really safe Mm. Um, so doctor led aesthetics beauticians can do it loads of different people can do it Uh, If something goes wrong, you have to be able to fix it. Right. Somebody, a doctor has to know the anatomy of the body and they have to know the anatomy of the face. That's massive. Mm. So our doctors are surgeons, so they actually know exactly what they're doing. So people that are coming in, for me it's fantastic because it's the refreshed look. Mm. That's what you want for people, the refreshed look. So they actually look in the mirror even before they go out the door, they can see the difference between the before and the after. And most people that are coming to us, Fran, it's funny, are actually coming from my world as well as in, we're doing the inside so we're doing the immune system and then we're doing the outside that the refreshed look goes with it and if you lose a lot of weight um, say and people are losing even with the new drug or whatever it is mm. you know your face drops and your body drops yes. and then you feel miserable because you actually feel god i've lost all this weight It was actually a girl in, lost about six stone but she had a load of loose skin a load of whatever yes, and yeah. she actually had the body dysmorphia um, then because she felt, you know, I was much better off when I had the weight oh on and now I look awful and what am I going to do about all of this? So that's the kind of world that you want to be in, that you can actually help on one side and then whatever needs to be done on the other side, you can do that too. And there's the dopamine factor as well, because you the f- can get that... The feel immediate. good of
1: looking well and yeah, uh, yeah. all of that. Yeah, You're 60 days into your, your foodie stuff as well, aren't you? Yeah, we are. Yeah.
13: We are actually 14 days. 14 days into, do you remember when I actually set yes. you here two weeks ago? So it's 14 days today. There's a huge number of people actually, June um, the 14 or the, the, the whatever. Yeah. How many days did we say? It? 42 day challenge or whatever. We picked up loads more people again last week. So that's amazing. people actually have come on and they've said to me, you know, this is inspiring. I might not be doing the whatever, but I'm following that. I can be okay. part of And that's of up on social media. So isn't that's it? on social media, yeah, guys. So if you follow my page on social media, Muriel. Um, Muriel Cotti, or even the Marito one M-A-R-E-T-O but I put up a lot of different challenges and stuff on right. my one
1: Okay, that's very good If people want to make contact with you and yes, talk to um, you Yes,
13: they can ring us Frank, can I just say we're doing yeah, Marito Beauty um, for Christmas uh, because what we've been that? inundated um, with people um, asking us about different things so we're putting together the two things that people seem to want before they put on the party dress and men listen guys We're not forgetting Mm. you There's literally. So it's um, lips and eyebrows together. And it's called Marita Beauty. And it just, yeah, it's just like a little whatever for Christmas for people to get started.
1: Lips and eyebrows.
13: Yeah, lips and, uh, well, it's eyebrow lift. So it's across your forehead. Oh, sorry.
1: Okay. I'll have to bring you in for that one. one. I I could do a lot of your work, I can tell you. That number again to contact Um, you? It's 083 uh,
13: 095 9138.
1: 9138. So that's uh, 083... 0959138. 0959138. Muriel, yeah. always good to see you. Thanks, thanks very much thanks, indeed. Fran. We'll take a break back with
0: more. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie
4: Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran
0: Curry in association with Slattery's of Pocon, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pocon, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie.
1: Calendar Girls is a stage play based on a true story of 11. Older women who posed nude for a calendar to raise money for the leukemia research fund. Now Thurlis Drama Group is reenacting this play uh, starting out this coming Tuesday. The director is Mary Slattery who joins me now. Mary, good morning to you.
12: Good morning.
1: And uh, good to Uh, talk to you you? today. I'm very well. I'm very well indeed. A lovely choice of uh, play but would have its challenges I would imagine, Mary.
12: Oh my God Fran, absolutely (laughs) huge challenges. This is a play with 14 scenes in it, with um, 70-something props in it Um, A lot of techie stuff, big lighting challenges, and of course the biggie, the one we don't talk about initially, uh, will the people, will the actors do the reveal? And my God they did. They have been absolutely amazing.
1: Isn't that absolutely (laughs) incredible? Had you much convincing to do where that was concerned, Mary?
12: (laughs) (laughs) It was a a work in progress, that's what I would call it. Uh, When we started out, you know, there are 14 scenes in the play, the reveal scene is one scene, and when people turned up to read, well, I said, well, that's good, people have bought into it. Mm. And then I just said, look, Tim first, in his comment at the beginning of the play, he says, you know, it's all about what you don't reveal, that the audience has to know something has happened, but it's not about something tacky or vulgar. Yes, something. of course. So I said, we'll do a work in progress. But what we did was we left the famous scene six until we were well into the play. So We plotted the play We had lots of discussions and lots of laughs and great fun. And then we said, time to deal with scene six. <laughs> so, <laughs> and initially we were aware and then bit by bit, you know, I think the spirit of the play really took over and the true story behind those women in Yorkshire, I think got into the hearts of people. And in the end, they said, okay, right. If we're doing it, let's just do it. And I must say it has turned out really, really well. I am incredibly proud of what the women in our drama group have done with such heart and such commitment is all I can say. And we've had sell-out houses. And, of course, the main thing was we always do an open night charity. And we were very anxious to work with Surehaven. We've worked with them on many occasions before. And we've had close link with them. And we just felt with the whole cancer theme in the play, mm-hmm. it would be nice to work with them. And, of course, all their work is voluntary. And uh, we um, gave them a cheque of 4,200 on Monday night.
1: Isn't that fantastic? Absolutely fantastic. And that was
12: a great kickstart to the week for for them and for us.
1: Of course it was indeed. But it's such a wonderful story. And of course it's a great movie as well with, I think, is it Helen Mirren? Helen Mirren, yes. Helen Mirren,
12: absolutely. It has heart. I think what really makes it such a success, it has great heart and it has great fun and it has hope. And I suppose they're great ingredients in any piece of drama. And uh, yeah.
1: Absolutely, Absolutely,
12: indeed. People are
1: laughing and they're crying, you, which which is the ideal theatrical experience, isn't it? It? Is. Um, it is. Well, casting, Mary, was that was there certain difficulties there, or how did that work?
12: Well, um, when we start the casting process, I suppose that did over three nights. People had to pay in advance when they read it. Um, I had a lot of readings to do because we had we had a great turnout, which was great for me. Uh, but it's trying to get the mix right. This is a great ensemble piece of playing. And you have to believe that these women, you know, they, they're with each other through thick and thin. Mm. And you have to feel that sense of bond. So for me, it was getting uh, all the parts in. And- that I could believe in every single character when they were cast and that I could believe that these people would unite and really connect with each other and that's what they've done. So it's not just about who can read the part best but who can really... obviously as a director you have an idea about what you want from a character and you're looking at each person and saying are they going to give me that little essential ingredient that I'm looking for in that character and then will they connect and bit together for the ensemble playing which is at the heart of the play so it did take a lot of reading and a lot of Hmm. juggling around so to speak but uh, in the end what people have said this week oh my god what a cast. I absolutely believe every one of them is who they're actually playing.
1: Is so that the greatest compliment? Yeah,
12: it yeah. is. It is. It absolutely is. So yeah. what,
1: what about ticket? When, when are you running then? I I said next Tuesday. Is that is No, that correct?
12: no, no. We've already opened. We've already right. opened. Okay. Yeah, we opened on Monday night with the Shorehaven um, Cancer Support Group as our beneficiary. Mm-hmm. And then Tuesday night and last night we had two full houses and the bookings are going really, really well for the last three nights. So with all our shows, planned, we run for six nights. Very good. And so we're finishing on Saturday. So I'm sure there's still a few seats left, though. Right, and how how
1: can we pick them up, Mary?
12: Literally, uh, if you ring the Source box office, they will do the booking. You can do it online or you can call the Source and, um, yeah, they will sort you out. They're amazing to work with. I'd really like to say thank you to the Source this morning because, you know... We have a long association with them since 2006 when the theatre opened, and they have just been incredibly supportive all the time. Brendan and his staff, absolutely super in there. Well, it's so a, a beautiful,
1: intimate space as well. Space as well. Oh, Mar- Mary, many, many congratulations to everybody involved, and I hope the rest of the run goes extremely well for you. I'm sure you'll have packed Thank houses. You, Thank you, Mary. Thank you. Thank and you,
6: Fran. Bye bye bye-bye to you
1: Bye-bye. bye-bye. Uh, staying with... Uh, uh, plays uh, The Lonesome West uh, play by Martin McDonough who's very much in the news now uh, recent uh, hit of course of the Banshee of Inishirn um, uh, it, that kicks off tonight in Amalina hone uh, tomorrow in Kilcash and on Saturday <laughs> Um, at the White Memorial Theatre in Clonmel. The director is a great friend of ours, Anne Williamson, who joins us now. Anne, good morning to you.
14: Good morning, Fran. How are you?
1: I'm very well indeed, and good to talk to you. This, of course, is part of that famous uh, trilogy, is it not?
14: It is indeed. It's, it's part of that famous trilogy uh, by Ma- by Ma- McDonough, and um, this is probably one, I suppose, that's the most controversial one,
1: I'd say. Mm. Why, um, why is it the most controversial, Anne?
14: I suppose there's a bit of uh, there's a bit of uh, language in it, and a bit of hmm. uh, name calling, and a bit of uh, murder in it, and a bit, there's a, there's a bit of everything in it. Like, and uh, it's it's very dark, and yet it's very funny at the same time.
1: Yeah. Um, so Macdonald yeah. manages to do that so well, doesn't he? The darkest of topics, and still there's that sort of innate humour yeah. in there.
14: Yeah, he does. Yeah, it's very very dark, and you're there, and you're you're feeling really really sad and in a split second, you're laughing. Like, yeah. you know, it's it's just... And I think it's kind of typical of, of the Irish people themselves because in the dark, the times, they have to laugh at themselves, you know?
6: Yeah, for uh, sure. You
14: see funerals and, 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 you know, somebody will say something funny that, that some fella done and the whole place is laughing, it's like, you laughing, know, and know, and that's yeah. what this is like, you know, Sim- similar.
1: It's a small cast, Anne, isn't it?
14: There's only four in it. There's yeah. three men and one young girl in it. And a uh, lot of lines for, for four people, an yeah. awful lot of lines, and um, they're doing amazing, I must say. So,
1: well, without a spoiler, could you give us a sort of a general synopsis of of it, Anne?
14: I can, yeah. It's it, There's two uh, bachelor um, brothers that live in Linan and they're in their 30s, and they're kind of set in their ways, and childlike, I suppose, if you like to call them that, mm. they fight over the most stupid things, like, you know, they just—it's like you think they hate each other, but if somebody says something between them, you know. Yes. They're on that person's case straight away. You know? Blood is
1: it's thicker like, than water, and all of
14: that. Yeah, I mean, mm. they're killing each other one minute, and, and the next minute, you know, they're mm. backing each other up. So it's—it's it's a very strange one, really. Not mm. really, though. I suppose there's an awful lot of people like that. For sure. Yeah. Families like that, and uh, yeah, we open tonight in Uh Tomorrow night in Titash. and Saturday the twenty-sixth we're in. Um, in the White Memorial Theatre because um, I must say this as well Saturday the 26th for tickets, some people bought tickets until the 27th were on them so right. I must apologise for that that's my fault, totally no,
1: no problem I them. never all.
14: looked at them, right, looked so, at them. So, so, so it, it is Saturday tickets.
1: the 26th yeah.
14: definitely Saturday the 26th so if you have a ticket uh, just come along anyway on the 26th or just change the date on it or go back to the to the bookmaker right, there, so and they'll give you a different ticket. So um, just to to know.
1: avoid confusion, it's tonight Mullahaun, tomorrow night Kilcash, and then a Saturday week in the White Memorial.
14: Saturday the twenty sixth, we're in the White Memorial, right. yeah, and okay. we're in Thomas Town as well on the twenty seventh, Thomas Town County Kilkenny on the twenty seventh.
1: Very good indeed. So, what about tickets and what's the story there?
14: Uh, you can get, you can get tickets. You can come to the door and get in uh, the White Memorial. We have tickets in the book market, so mm. you can buy the tickets in the book market. But you can also come along to the door on the night. You know, we, of course, we, yeah. We think because it's a touring production, we'll have a different kind of a crowd at every venue. So, right,
1: which is great. I, you know. I presume if you want to see the movie. Um, the uh, Banshee uh, movie—you'd um, have a particular interest in in this, then, because it being part of a trilogy. wouldn't Yeah, you?
14: I think it's very similar. The humor is very mm. similar, and and the darkness is very similar, and uh, the friendship between the two people that goes bad like, is very similar. So, there's a priest in this as well, and he's trying to do his best to keep them from killing each other. <laughs> and he's he's he has a problem with the drink. Right. There's a young girl in it who's in love with the priest. And uh, he doesn't know it, but she's always kind of hovering around him. Right. Uh, it's a lovely, lovely story. There's a lovely uh, kind of scene between the priest and the young girl. It's it's very sweet. Um, I think people will really enjoy it, you know. But
1: yeah. I- in terms of language, not for the faint-hearted, would that be fair to say?
14: I would say not for the faint-hearted. And if you're easily offended, <laughs> you know, I'd say stay at home and watch maybe... <laughs>
1: Top Virginia or something like that. <laughs> God, God, forbid. All right. Yeah, but
14: it is good fun, and I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's a play worth seeing, you
1: know, so. All right. Well, Anne, congrats to you and uh, the cast, and I hope you have a great run as well. Uh, nice to talk to you, Anne. Thank you.
14: Thank you very much. About you
1: now, Bye. that's uh, Anne Williamson, there, who's director of the Lonesome West by Martin McDonagh. All right, we'll take a break. Back in a moment.
4: Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Tip Today
3: with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.
4: If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007.
1: It's very worrying to read that experts are warning that uh, Europe faces a cancer epidemic unless urgent action is taken to boost treatment and research after an estimated one one million diagnoses were missed during the pandemic. Well, Dr. Mary Ryan is a frequent contributor to the show. She's an endocrinologist um, in Bon Secours, Barrington's and in Ault, even in Kilkenny as well. And she joins me now. Good morning to you, Mary.
15: Good morning, friend. Lovely morning. How are
1: you doing? Um, Good to talk to you, Mary. And this is extremely worrying, isn't it? Because, I mean, I'm reading as well, Mary, it may set back cancer outcomes by almost a decade because research is involved here too.
15: Absolutely, so unfortunately, with March 2020, the the pandemic coming on, obviously with with the lockdowns, people being afraid to come in um, you know for the first three months, in fact. There was there was a complete lockdown, so only acute people were seeing. So as a result, they're saying across Europe that there is, uh, you know, across the European citizens, that we that as doctors we saw 1.5 million less patients, and um, that as a result of all this, there's a backlog in diagnosis, and that about one in two people are, are going to be delayed diagnosis, as well as delayed in their treatment, and that 40% of them um, are going to have a, de- a definite delay. Uh, so with regard to Diagnosis and uh, treatment. So it's um, yeah, it, it is worrying. And of course, all the screening. One million screenings were yeah. delayed as a result of the cervical, breast, colon. So all of that. Is going to be uh, another factor, and then on top of that, we were already behind, and you know, with with um, coming in now to a Christmas period, uh, with with bed situations. So you have that amalgamation on top of it. But it is worrying. But I suppose the good thing is that you know awareness is everything, and we, by by being aware, that we can hopefully put more investment into the screening, which is so so important, and into the diagnostics. And we do need to create more space, and at least with these audits. Coming forward, we're able to, you know, see that. That at least we know what we're dealing with. We're mm-hmm. nowhere behind, but by a good forty percent, and therefore we've got to make up that difference because, uh, you know, a delayed diagnosis of cancer, as we all know, you're in the back foot, and that's not the way we need to have it. And particularly when we're such. Good treatments. We know that early detection is critical. So good treatments with breast cancer, with colon cancer, catching them early before they have spread to the the lymph nodes. That's the key. And we know that we can, you know, uh, prevent metastases and really uh, create li- long life expectations. So that's what we need to do. Um, but we ha- we have to up our numbers of um, doctors, nurses, and also create a better uh, bed capacity as well and that's going to be a big uh, problem for the, the government, but they're going to have to do
1: it. I was also interested uh, to read, Mary, that the Russian invasion of uh, Ukraine has uh, put more challenges, indeed, to cancer research in Europe, because yeah. seemingly they're two of the largest contributors to cancer research in 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 the world, and obviously that's that's halting now.
15: Yeah, yeah, it's it's terrible, and I suppose it's it's about reaching out now to find and and the one the good thing about being in Europe, I suppose, is that we can you know with with the amount of states that are in it, we all just have to work together better. And we know that we're going to have to do that anyway and that we'll now have to find other centres just as we're doing the same with the energy we're going to have to find other centres that will do it. But yeah, all of these problems always create a crisis but the lovely thing is that at least when you know what's ahead of you, you can deal with it. And, uh, you know, we yes. are very lucky that we are in Europe because it's opened a whole load of doors with, with you know, Germany and France are fantastic at research um, and, and also the Swedish and the Finns. So in, in we can op- we can get, get help from those doors. And unfortunately, it is with Ukraine and Russia, it is a problem. But the lovely thing is that we're no longer dependent on just one state and being part of Europe, we're, we're blessed in that regard, that, that all those doors are opened as and, well.
1: And can we catch up on the phone? Forty percent. Do you believe, Mary?
15: Yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be a crisis because we now have is it the 52, sixty-two thousand extra people in, and and that's going to be a push on on the medical services as it stands. And um, so it, it is going to be. They're going to have to put extra resources now that they have the figures. They know we are we are behind by that much. There's no one. They know the one in two people um, are, are at risk of being not diagnosed. They're going to have to give extra manpower. they going and women power. They're going to have to give extra beds, status, because otherwise it, this crisis can only get worse, and we're going to be backpedalling all the time. And we don't need that. It can be done, uh, but they're going to have to come up with extra beds, uh, extra doctors, extra nurses, uh, to, and, uh, and extra capacity to be able to do this. Uh, and that 's the only way it can be done because when you 're running behind by by forty percent and one in two people uh, run the risk of being uh, under you know behind in their diagnosis it 's not acceptable in today 's age and and some they they obviously as well may have to make some choices as to like it 's wonderful to be welcoming in the refugees and, and it 's so important that we look after them, but I suppose at some point we need to look at do a helicopter view on the whole state and say. What can we deliver? Uh, You know, there's no point giving a a bad service to to everyone. You know, maybe just hold it, contain it, take nobody else in just for the moment until we see where we're at. Because we're to look after everyone that's here and give them a good service. And there's no point giving people a bad service and and causing problems. are you surprised,
1: Mary, that, I mean, very few people are are, are saying what you're saying?
15: I think they're all saying it, but they're all afraid to
1: say it. That's
15: the problem and that's not a democracy. A democracy is where we should all be able to say, speak honestly, we're not, we are being Irish, we, we were welcomed to open arms, we are welcoming the refugees and we've been very good to them. All I'm saying is that we need to just take a breather mm-hmm. and do the helicopter view on what we have at the moment and how we can look after all of those citizens, Irish, Ukrainians, all of Syrians, everyone else that's come in you know in, in the proper manner because we're already so far behind before we take more in. I really think we need to do that. I didn't agree with Michal Martin when he was saying we have to keep coming because I can see services stretched. I'm the doctor. I can see this. So you know that's not right to the four year olds that I know are going to be on trolleys that shouldn't be on trolleys anyway. That's only going to compound things. So I think people have got to be not afraid of speaking the truth. In this country for too long people are afraid to voice their opinion. they were being controlled. That's not democracy. Democracy is you speak honestly, you speak truthfully and what you're doing is trying to help people. You're trying to make sure that we look after what we have and by all means once we have looked after what we have then once we can open the doors again, open them. But for God's sake get on top of what we have and make sure you can look after all of the citizens that are sick, disabled and who need treatment and particularly cancer treatment uh, and you know that, that's so vital because we all have a right to life in, in this world. We know from poor Vicky Phelan how her life was cut short at only 49 years of age and all the other poor women. No. No no woman or man deserves that. So we have to look after our own people, as well as the refugees, as well as the Syrians. Everyone deserves the same chance. But in order to do that, you have to provide a proper service. And you can't provide a sham service where you're saying you're doing it, but you're not doing it. You have to have capacity. You have to have nurses, doctors, equipment. And there's no point in saying that you will and you are only half doing it. You have to do it 100%. And that's what honesty means. And that's what being truthful with the patients means. So I think it's, it's about high time that that was done and that a proper assessment was made of what we can do now for all the citizens, this country that are presently in it and treat them properly and don't have any delayed diagnosis because that's- we can do it if, if, we, if yeah. we approach it that's, correctly.
1: That's very powerful Mary because I know of a village where a, a GP was already inundated with people and oh. then uh, you know a couple of hundred uh, refugees were imposed on top of that uh, for him mm-hmm. to look after. It's it's almost impossible.
15: You know? It is and you see it isn't fair to the, the refugees coming in because they deserve to look yeah. after too yeah, of course. Uh, because they've all been traumatised and everything and also, it also isn't fair to he, the doctor's patients or to the doctor himself because he, he's burned out his own health is going to suffer and then we're down a doctor you know. So I I think what Europe probably needs to do is look and see everyone. I mean, one of the things I heard was that we're taking in more per capita than France and Germany. Now, mm. that doesn't sound right. So we need to, you know, what Michal Merton needs to do is Speak at the European table and say, "Let's look at. We'll certainly do our share, but everyone else has to do the same share. Then nobody's overburdened, and then we can reassess the situation." Mm. You know. Well, but certainly, I'd, I'd, I'd to love to have.
1: I'd love yeah. to have more people talking peace. To be honest with you, Mary, but yeah. there, in lies a whole other conversation. That's, I would imagine. Well, we all
7: want that. Yeah. All want what that.
1: What yeah. would you say to people out there, Mary, who may have some symptoms or may have some worries and stuff for cancers? What What advice do you give them, Mary?
15: Or go straight to their doctor don't ever the big thing a delayed diagnosis is a big problem you know if you catch cancer in time with the treatments we have now it's fantastic i mean people with breast cancer once you catch them on time you're talking about a full survival and the same with cervical cancer the same with colon cancer so the treatments there are fantastic once it's caught in time but if it's spread through the blood to the liver once it gets into the bloodstream you know, it's it spread and it's seeded. Then you're you're chasing your tail. But to get a nearly diagnosis and not to be afraid, you know, half the time when people come in and they're exhausted or weight loss, it's not cancer at all. It's, 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 it's a, you know, it could be a virulence yeah. or a illness yeah. or hormones, thyroid. So or it could be diabetes, which are, they're also treatable. So the whole thing is worrying about something is, is not uh, dealing with it at all. Worrying is, is, is actually just putting on things on the shelf. You're better off just to face it. And face it means going to the doctor, getting the test done, uh, getting the examination done, and then you're reassured. That's the most important thing. Because you've got to think of, you know, if it was catching time, but in the majority gets not cancer at all and therefore you're worrying yourself needlessly you're better off to get your answer and get your solution and, and then you and all your family around you and your friends are worrying as well, you know Well Mary,
1: great great advice uh, as always and we appreciate your time I know how busy you are Mary, thank you so much for coming you're on You're
15: so me. welcome, Thank Not you, all friends Take you. care, bye, bye. bye. T- you
1: know, that's uh, the wonderful Dr. Mary Ryan there endocrinologist in uh, Barrington's or Bon Secours, as they are now and uh, ought even in Kilkenny as well and indeed lectures in the the university too Um, that's about it from me Emma produced Ali looks after content Stephen is on the way and I will talk to you tomorrow you look after yourselves in the meantime won't you bye bye